welcome to the Real Appeal Podcast. This is your host and writer for your entertainment corner, Kelsey Loizel. And with me today is my co-host. What the fuck is that noise? Sounds like a, it sounds like a go-kart. <laughs> I know the AC is on, but I don't think that's the sound. The okay. one upstairs, I think there's like a car or something outside. Okay. Yeah, it's uh, senior editor and writer at uh Mark Salcedo. And now that's your computer. Uh, yeah, now my computer's like, hey, what's up? <laughs> you know, you can't be mad at your computer. Why not? It's just a computer. You're right. It's an inanimate object. Yeah. Mm. But most people would just throw their computer away. Yeah, those people have money. I, I, I don't. Would you rather base it on money or would you just be like, well, I don't think it's quite fair to condemn a whole program because it's a, a single slip out. <laughs> that, that was a stretch. I know, you weren't answering the way I wanted you to. Oh, okay. That's a very <laughs> that's a very I must sound misogynistic, but that's a very woman thing. Mm. Okay. I, I and I and I can say that because I, I think the same way. Mm. <laughs> I said you ever being raised by a single mother. <laughs> you didn't answer the way I wanted you to answer. So now, what? I'm, now I'm mad. There's a difference between that and what I said. <laughs> well, it's all right. Mm. Yeah, you just gotta, you just gotta be better. I gotta be better. Mm-hmm. You gotta be better. It's some p- perfection here. Mm. <laughs> sure. <laughs> so I'm clearly laughing at myself. I'm laughing and crying. I'm laughing. You're holding, you're holding your own magnifying glass on yourself under the sun. <laughs> I'm laughing, but I'm crying on the inside mm. <laughs> and dying piece by piece. Crying and dying. Mm. All right. Well, let's put my glasses on. Um, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at The Real Appeal. Two E's in real. Oh, let me just apologize for anybody who follows on TikTok. I haven't been posting, like, episode announcements. But clearly, if you're listening to this episode, you, you know that the episode is out. Um, I've just been dropping the ball on that, the whole TikTok thing. Why? Because you don't like TikTok? Or because you forgot about it? TikTok is like people with ADD. Like, like, like they, okay. I, I Actually, just let me feel... take that back. Let me walk that back. There, I, The whole TikTok thing, I'm not saying I don't get it. I do get it. It just ain't my thing. Mm. Um, and it sucks. It's like, this is what you have to do to like get the clicks get the likes get the notice and all that kind of stuff that's what i was gonna say like tiktok and instagram are perfect for the videos that we do yeah yeah so i feel like they do better on there than they would facebook or twitter or x yeah it's called x now yeah well facebook is like no one really uses facebook anymore and twitter is just like a shit show <laughs> every day there's no problem yeah um anyways too easy and real um <laughs> Our email, if you would like to email us, is therealappeal at gmail.com. If you could please review us anywhere you listen to our podcast, that would be lovely. Um, Our segments for the show this week. Our recent review of Oppenheimer. Our variety time. The duo's trip to Comic-Con. Geriatric Cinematic. 
Dr. Strangelove or How I Learned to Stop Worrying and Love the Bomb, 1964. <laughs> I was hoping you said the whole thing. Like that? Yeah. What's the terrific? Uh, who needs enemies with bombs like that? Mm. Bombs over Baghdad. Mm-hmm. Something I want to discuss with you. Okay. I get your pain. Oh, do you? Yeah. Which uh, pain? <laughs> I know there's so many. Last week, when we were reviewing Mission um, Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1, <laughs> <laughs> you, you brought something up that's a legit argument about uh, people who... Just wait for that thing in the fall. People who ruin... <laughs> there we go. All right. <laughs> anyway, people who ruin the movie-going experience by talking too fucking loud or just, just making noise, just being rude at the theater. Mm-hmm. And you said like that kind of was like affecting... That was affecting your, your, your viewing process of the movie. Mm-hmm. And I was just kind of like, yeah, that sucks, but like, what are you going to do? Whatever. Mm-hmm. And then we saw Oppenheimer. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I wanted to pull out whatever hair I had left. <laughs> so Even um, though you'd already seen it. Even though I had already seen Yeah, that's correct. I had already seen Oppenheimer at a press screening. Um, but, like, we're not going to spoil the movie at all. This is just, like, our experience. Um, but when we, went, we went to go see Oppenheimer yesterday. Was it yesterday? Mm-hmm. We saw Oppenheimer yesterday, the day before this recording. And Kelsey and I, one, Kelsey and I, we had, like, kind of bad seats because the theater, a lot it of people. It was full. Yeah, it was, like, full. It wasn't, like, full, full. Like, there was the there were the front row seats, but, like, the good seats were, like, taken. So Kelsey and I were, like, all right, we have to sit here. Here. Yeah. Here. In, in the third row, which it, was not too close. Yeah, it wasn't too bad, but one of the things that annoyed the fuck out of me is that we got all the traffic. Like, there was somebody walking across us every fucking like 15 minutes mm-hmm. like whether they were going or whether they're coming or going somebody's walking walking in front of us 15 minutes mm-hmm. like like did like did did any of them realize that it was gonna be a three-hour movie and that they should go to the bathroom at least once <laughs> like what in the fuck yeah. okay so that was but like that's that's something i have no control over right mm. people are gonna come and go whatever whatever but the thing that annoyed the living shit out of me the most was this is a rated R three hour movie that is about the creation, about the guy who created the atomic bomb. And also there are sex scenes. And there are sex scenes. It's, it's a very adult movie. Why in the ever loving fuck would you bring, what, a four year old, five year old, I guess? The kid was crying, so I don't know. Yeah, like somebody brought their kid, and it wasn't even like on a Saturday or Sunday. Like I said, this was like on a this was like on a Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, I keep thinking today's Tuesday. Um, well, that's because yesterday was our Monday. Yeah, oh yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, like and so like, and you're bringing a kid, and this isn't like an early show. And this wasn't like twelve o'clock, two o'clock, three o'clock. Not even fucking five o'clock. This was a close to eight o'clock at night showing that was going to go until eleven p.m. Mm -hmm. It's a three-hour-long movie. Why? Like, it it frustrated me so much because this kid kept talking, right? Mm -hmm. And there are parts where, like, the movie's dead silent, and you hear him go, Yeah, 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 like, 
Was it his parent that, like, his dad that yelled at him or some other rando? It, it wasn't his dad. It was somebody across across the theater. Yeah. The, yeah, it was somebody across. Oh, wait, hold on. I forgot to mention. I also, before the movie even started, somebody, this was funny and annoying at the same time. Some dude was like, yeah, Oppenheimer. <laughs> It's a very like no shit Sherlock. <laughs> so yeah, somebody like yells across the theater. They don't say like shut that kid up or something like that. I think they say like hey stop it or something like that. <laughs> and finally like the kid stopped, but the movie had already been playing for like what? An hour. Uh, not, not even an hour. I think they were playing for like two hours. Mm. I think the movie was playing for like two fucking hours. And yeah, this kid just kept fucking talking and it's at some point at some point you can tell like the parent was trying to stop him and because kid would be like no no <laughs> <laughs> like and, and, and i know there is a people there are people who say like oh you know some people don't have babysitters you know what do you know you're if you're a parent or not blah blah, blah. i have a daughter leia has two not leia <sighs> kelsey has two kids Okay, let me actually. Let me ask you this: Did you ever take your kids to the theater whenever you went to whenever you went to watch the movie? Depending. Okay, like let's say it's just it's a movie that you want to see. You and uh, you and your ex husband want to see. That's clearly like an adult movie. Mm. Okay. Same thing. Not even if it was an action movie. Okay, not even if it's an action movie. Same thing for myself. Whenever myself and my kids' mom would go watch a movie we made sure that the kid wasn't with us mm-hmm. you know we figured out something where we got somebody to watch him i mean I'm, leave you know, him in the car tie him up to a pole the- outside <laughs> yeah, leave make him sure home. they have water and food you know leave him home with a can of beans and be like feed yourself lock him in the closet <laughs> yeah put him in the trunk you know all that kind of stuff um but like th- that's the thing and it, it wasn't like we went to the special imax 70 millimeter version of it which is hard to get in now it was just a regular showing. Hmm. I'm sure they could have figured it out to go another day to go watch the fucking movie. Yeah. And not don't even be like spoilers. Because it's, I don't know, it's part of history. You know, spoilers, history. What the fuck? Yeah. So I get your pain. Because I was like, fuck. <laughs> the funny thing is, I was so invested in the movie. Mm-hmm. I did not hear any of that. <laughs> Almost at all. I heard maybe once Mm -hmm. a kid. And And I heard the guy yell, but I didn't hear what he said. Yeah. And then I heard you, like, shifting around, like, looking to see because people kept walking by. Mm -hmm. And I noticed him out of the corner of my eye, too, but it was like, oh, somebody's there. Okay. (laughs) Like, (laughs) I was really into the movie. There you go. That's really something that, that the movie captured you so much that you're just like... The entire world is like out outside my peripheral now. And shit well, like also that. the kid was further away mm-hmm. than, um, like in this showing. Yeah. Than um, the kids in the fucking. Oh, the Mission Impossible. Yeah, because they were literally two rows behind us over there. Yeah, that's true. That's why I'm I'm like okay, I'm kind of okay sitting more closer to the front because you don't get those fucking idiots in the back. Yeah. It's easier to pay attention to the movie. Like I almost. I don't want to say I okay. I was gonna say I, I was gonna say I almost turned to a Karen, but that's that's the wrong description. Well, also Karens are not really that justified. They're like 
they don't try and do things right. Yeah, they, yeah. They're just little fucking bitches about shit. Yeah, they let, they use their privilege to get what they want. Right. Like I was on the verge of, um, like I, I got I got close to like going out going out to grab somebody and be like, hey, can you go tell them you know be quiet or whatever. But before I got up, that's when the guy's like, hey, you know, doing that. And well, since, like I said, since that guy did it, can't stop. So did you think I was being a Karen last week? No, I wouldn't say you're being a Karen. No, because you because it was justifiable. There there was like a stance that because you, they wouldn't shut the fuck up. There was the a, entire time. There was a stance that you did that was very like subconsciously Karen esque. Which stance? You were like you like the way how you like stood and pointed. You did like here you go because you did the finger wagging thing. Uh, I wasn't why I was like they're over there somewhere. Uh, okay. I was like that part that part I didn't catch. I just saw you wag your finger like ooh. No. Don't do that. <laughs> okay. You figure out where they are and I'll stand here. No, I'm just saying like point and like that's it. Because I shake didn't your know finger. where they were. I'm like they're over there somewhere. Oh, okay. See, you're doing you're doing Kelsey's doing like a side to side, but I saw up and down. <laughs> like like at the wrist it's flop 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 flop. Yeah, definitely. Also I couldn't <laughs> breathe because I don't like confrontation. Oh, okay. So I was already like You don't like confrontation? There are times where like I'm thinking, Oh shit, Kelsey's trying to get into a fight. <laughs> if I get into a fight, yeah. Fine. But like I don't like starting anything like yeah. because of how I grew up it terrifies me. No, I get you. Yeah. That's why you're always like, "Oh, you'll fuck me up if we ever get into an argument." I'm like, depending verbally, if verbally. I'm angry enough, sure, but mm. normally I'm stunted by, you know, um like anxiety. Like I literally mm. cannot breathe. So that's the only <laughs> So the only way to kill you is to it's to have like a confrontation. Yes, that's the only way to kill me. <laughs> yeah. I am invincible. Yeah, you're Highlander. Mm-hmm. All right, so yeah, that was just my yeah, that was just my gripe about my theater going experience this week. Mm-hmm. So what do we got next? Are we gonna? So that's it. We're not talking about the. Uh, oh, I thought we were talking about the con. No, no, no. We're, we're we'll say that for variety time because oh. we because we got a lot to say about what happened at the con. Duh. Okay. Duh. <laughs> We're going to do our recent review of Oppenheimer. We're in a race against the Nazis. And I know what it means. If the Nazis have a bomb. We have a 12-month head start. 18. How could you possibly know that? We've got one hope. All America's industrial might and scientific innovation connected here. Secret laboratory. Keep everyone there until it's done. Let's go recruit some scientists. The synopsis is the story of American scientist J. Robert Oppenheimer and his role in the development of the atomic bomb. The tagline is the world forever changes. (laughs) Fucking douchey. All right. Directed and written by Christopher Nolan, it stars Cillian Murphy, Emily Blunt, Robert Downey Jr., Florence Pugh, Matt Damon. Oh, before we continue, it's, it, uh, I didn't know this for a while, but apparently it's pronounced Killian. Is it really? Yeah, it's pronounced Killian. Killian Murphy. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. So, Kelsey. Uh, I remember, specifically. But specifically? Specifically. Um... You know, I, I got a, I got an early access for this movie, mm-hmm. and you told me not to tell you anything about the movie. Like, you didn't even want me to t- 
tell you if I liked it or didn't like it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I kept true to that. Mm-hmm. You know, we totally didn't have a discussion after a watch of the movie. We <laughs> talked about it, but you didn't tell me if you liked it or you didn't. Okay. We didn't talk about it that much. Okay. Uh, so what are your overall thoughts of, of Oppenheimer? Um, I thought the movie was really good. Mm-hmm. I'm... You know, I, I kind of feel like there are some parts about it that are glossed over, and obviously they can't fit anything more into it because it's already three hours long. Yeah. Um. He. I I really wish they would have like made it a little bit easier to keep track of the people. Yeah, I, I agree with you. That was one of my biggest, uh, one of my biggest gripes about the movie was there's like a lot of people coming in and out of Oppenheimer's life mm-hmm. to a point where you're just like, who's that? And like they they don't have a habit of saying their name like a whole lot, like constantly like reminding you this mm-hmm. is his person. But there is some parts where you you need a reminder of like, wait, who is this person? Why are they important? You know, because like they'll just be talking about a particular person and it takes like a minute to even be like, oh, they're talking about this or sometimes it, or it happened to me there's sometimes where they would mention somebody i'm like wait why i don't understand who was that person at what part did they say that or do that or whatever mm. um i think those that's like my really only gripe is like christopher nolan already has a hard time he likes to do the fucking time jump thing which is really fucking annoying yeah but I, in this one it works yeah none of his none of his movies have linear uh linear storytelling they're all like jumbled up they're jumbled up or they're kind of like you, you, like like they go here and there and then they, they like converge eventually you're like oh okay i see what why why he was doing this if you're lucky yeah um damn you would hate you probably would hate momento now oh I, I you did show it to okay, me never mind. and i wasn't that impressed um okay with the whole time jump thing mm-hmm you you need to pick one. You're either gonna do time jumps or you're gonna throw a million people into the movie. Mm. You can't do both. You can't do both. Like, yeah. it's okay to have the time thing the way it was. That didn't bother me. Yeah, that part I, I really did like. They had so many peripheral people in this movie that didn't really add a whole lot. Mm. They probably could have cut out mm. and made it easier for people to, you know, focus on the people that were more important. Yeah. Um. Other than that, mm. um, I thought the rest of the movie was really, like, really good. Mm-hmm. Um, it's funny they they would have other characters giving him like a character, not assassination, like a character, like critique. Or? Yeah, something like that. Like. Mm-hmm. People will be talking about him. Yeah. And it's hard because, like, to me, the things that people would say are not exactly how Killian read on screen. Mm, okay. So they would almost, like, vilify him. Mm-hmm. But it's okay because you're a genius. Yeah, yeah. But I'm like, okay, but I'm not seeing anything that would be like, oh, you're an asshole, but you're a genius. Yeah, it's... Other it's, than, you know, you know... You know, from from history, you know, like infidelity. Yeah, yeah, like there are like 
history speaking, like he, there are there are stories of him being a jerk or him kind of being like not power hungry or anything like that, but him being like overdetermined to like make this happen, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like I feel like some of the movie didn't translate that well enough that like oh clearly like he can be an asshole other than like the typical like oh he's womanizer he cheated on his wife or he said something that regular people wouldn't understand how awful it was yeah about the guy who was supposed to be his best friend or whatever yeah and they did like a lot of like like you said they did like a lot of vilifying vilifying um but yeah there was like nothing on killing murphy's end of like oh yeah this is why he would be seen as that Mm -hmm. yeah um with, with with that being said, I think Killian Murphy's acting was fucking phenomenal. It was in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, when I when I first saw it, um, as soon as he started talking, I was like, "Holy shit!" Like he really put on a voice, like because because his because you know he's Irish. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's Irish, um, and his voice. Now it's, it's not like wimpy. Like like what's that one dude's name uh, from Sons of Anarchy? Oh yeah. Um, God, his name's escaping me right now. I can't remember his name. But I keep thinking Jackson Teller. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> um, but yeah, he doesn't like Killian Murphy doesn't have like a wimpy voice like that. But just to kind of hear him doing his American accent and it sound like really old and gruff and shit like that. Mm-hmm. Um, not, and not not the annoying gruff. Like I have this thing about British actors. Like if they want to do an American accent, that they'd be like Hugh Laurie gruff right because Hugh Laurie is British too <laughs> yeah yeah exactly right that, like that's that's the thing even but like there are certain actors that can actually do an American accent without making it sound really gruff mm-hmm. or over or overdo it like for example Christian Bale Christian Bale did an excellent like 80s yuppie in mm-hmm. American Psycho you yeah know? but his gruff was kind of coming like I like, also feel like mm-hmm. Irish people or like Scottish people I mm-hmm. think more Irish have a really hard time with the American accent Irish or Scottish more Irish, but oh. Scottish too. Uh, this is gonna bother me. I gotta find the actor's name. <laughs> Charlie Hunnam. There you go. Yeah. Charlie Hunnam, aka Jack Steller. <laughs> uh, no, but with that being said, like, yeah, when I heard him talking, I was he like he 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 really sounded like an old man. Like at the beginning of the movie, mm-hmm. he really sounded like an old man. And then, like how he was able to like sh- switch that up when it was him younger. Mm-hmm. Like how he was sounding less old, but still like kind of like with city miles on him and shit like that but mm-hmm. not like really super old it was like super convincing like i i was just like well, i was too like straight melted into the role the, i didn't catch it until when he got older at the end oh that you can hear the differences in mm-hmm. his tone yeah exactly yeah. yeah that's how that's how good it was um i know i saw something i don't know if it's in the trivia or not but um that uh, what's his name? Robert Downey Jr. Mm-hmm. I guess like they would invite Killian Murphy out, like out and about town and stuff. Mm-hmm. And he was so committed to his role, he, he like never went because he was like trying to learn German. <laughs> like, oh really? Like he's like he didn't know some of the languages he was actually speaking, and he oh, wanted okay. it to be like very true. Yeah. So he would he just committed to his role and was like I'm I'm gonna learn this shit. See that that's when you vilify. Vilify the actor because he didn't want to hang out with his friends. Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> I think anything is better than uh, what's his name? Who? Mor- uh, Morbius. Oh, Jared Leto. Mm-hmm. That is an asshole. From reports, 
from I mean, reports. Yes. I mean, I mean, you you're the leader of a cult of a of a cult. You know, mm-hmm. give that suspicious eye on that guy. Um, is there anybody that you thought was that did a great performance? Other than him, mm-hmm. um, I liked. I thought I would love Florence Pugh in this movie, and I was just met on her. Oh, yeah, I felt the same way. Like when I heard she got cast, I was like, okay, she's gonna like knock it out of the park. And to tell you the truth, I don't. I I'm not gonna entirely blame her. Um, I think it was just the casting, and it's a weird role. I wouldn't even say that. I honestly because. This this has been known that Christopher Nolan has a he kind of has a difficult time writing women in his yeah. movies, um, even like children and stuff like that. Like perfect example is like uh, that movie Interstellar. It's a father and daughter story. Mm-hmm. That's to me that was one of the weakest parts of that movie. So he has like a hard time really not like, I want to say like hard like difficult time like it's obvious, but he does have have some difficulty giving nuance to women in in his movies. I feel like he makes women just men probably probably write something like a man and then it was like all right yeah Florence Pugh for that role yeah like even Emily Blunt's character Mm -hmm. she's still kind of mannish like in her presence yeah and they do like this they do like this reversal not reversal they do like the switch for the character that is in the third act to me came out of fucking nowhere yeah it was during one of the interrogation scenes Mm -hmm. I was just like Okay, where has this woman been the entire time of the movie? That's what I thought, too. I think her character arc was kind of off. Yeah. Like, you go through this, like, almost, like, lover's iteration of her, and then all of a sudden it's, like, she's not wife material at all. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden she's like that. Yeah. Like... I, I didn't like it at all. I'm like, what What do you want her to be? What yeah, is she yeah, like? Exactly, yeah. Um, Matt Damon did not care for him. Really? He was just Matt Damon. I liked I liked his role. I mean, you're right. He was just kind of Matt Damon, but like, I don't know. I, I, like, also, I, I like how he I like how he's Matt Damon at times. Nah. You know what it is? Hmm. It's the stink of the United States. Oh, okay. I can see that. And yeah. I, I'm just don't care for any portrayal of any military person at all especially when they're very murka like that like that makes sense um it's funny because emily blunt Mm um i'm like oh emily blunt's in this movie and i i saw the trailer i'm like oh yeah it's emily blunt Mm -hmm. but the more i watched the movie the less i thought it was her okay so is that a is that a positive or a negative i think it's a positive Mm -hmm. because um even though, like, like how, she melded into the role, but also, like, even like how Nolan like wrote the character, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, I think that has a lot to do with makeup. Okay. She just looked more downtrodden than Emily Blunt actually looks. Yeah. <laughs> like so. Mm. Yeah, I became less sure that I was right that she was cast in the movie. Yeah. Um, on my end, I I really enjoyed Robert Downey Jr.'s role. It's rare that he plays the bad guy. Mm-hmm. Like I could only think of like one movie where he played the bad guy, mm-hmm. right? And even that was like, even that was like doo doo. But this one, like the way how he did the character, like you can see him as like a con- like after like after rewatch the movie, there's certain things like certain takes he did. I was like, oh, I see where that's coming from. I know that's I know he's evil here. I know he's evil there, you know, <laughs> and all that kind of stuff. But like. 
I'm so used to seeing him as like this very charismatic type guy. Mm-hmm. There's like this, um, I think it was GQ. Uh, one of the one of the publications on on YouTube. Um, sorry, one of the publications that have their YouTube channel. They do this thing where it's like um, Google autofill, where they get like an actor director, and it's like like Robert Downey Jr. Does Robert Downey Jr and they rip it off and they like play guitar and then he'll ask he'll answer the question like no I don't play the guitar but blah 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 you know mm-hmm. so and it's it's a video of him and Christopher Nolan and obviously there's like two different people like obviously two different people where Robert Downey Jr. is like oh yeah he's like very uh, he's very uh, charismatic charming he's like making people laugh and stuff like that and Christopher Nolan's like serious not like dead serious but like none of that charm is there mm-hmm. so I'm so used to seeing Robert Downey Jr. Robert Downey Jr. With all this fucking charm, right? I mean, the dude, like, nailed the role as Tony Stark. Mm-hmm. But in this one, he was, like, like really toned down. And I was like, all right, cool. Like, I forgot Robert Downey could really fucking act, like, when he he's given the right material. That big, warm charm is gone, but you still get a sense that this guy's totally a fucking politician. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because he can still work the room. Yeah, yeah, exactly, You know what I mean? Exactly. So he has a different kind of charm in mm-hmm. this movie. Which I feel is really hard to pull off. Mm-hmm. Um, but also he does that like the head nod thing, you know, like when he's talking sometimes. Yeah, yeah. That he like I think that's just who he is and he can't stop doing that. He does also do like the chin lift thing where he like, mm-hmm. well, you know, like he's like sticking his nose well, up to somebody. Well, well he'll actually, stick his neck out like. Yeah. Well, you have to understand that's not how things go or mm-hmm. something like that. Right. And it's a to me it's a positive and a negative. It's a positive because like Robert Downey Jr. could like do that so well, mm-hmm. but it's also negative. It's like we've seen that like two hundred different actors like do that type of look. Like it's it's a it's like a standard move when it comes to like serious acting. No, not to me. I feel like that's one hundred percent how he moves. Mm-hmm. And so when he would do something like that, because he does it in every single thing he does, I uh-huh. just know that's how he moves. Mm-hmm. Um. It took me out for a split second because I'm like, it's Robert Downey Jr. Okay, no, never mind. It's we're back in. <laughs> <laughs> uh, quick, quick, quick. Uh, Robert Downey Jr. story that I've I've seen a video. Of. It's it's it. Once again, it's how charming he can be. Uh, it was during some event, some movie premiere or something like that, where people were like asking for his autograph, and someone gave him like a dollar bill. Mm-hmm. You know, like, can you, like, I guess they didn't have anything that that he can sign. So they're like, can you please sign this, right? And obviously, like, defacing a dollar bill is considered, like, an, a criminal act. And he said, he said to the person, are you telling me you want me to deface a dollar bill with my signature? He's like, okay, sure. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, let's do this. <laughs> I think dollar bills are kind of like pennies. I mean the way the, the way the U.S. dollar is, yeah, <laughs> compared to other countries. Mm-hmm. Um, one person who I who I did like, he didn't do like a great performance, but I I was I, I'm glad to see him in more stuff now because he went away for a little while. Is uh, Josh Hartnett? Mm-hmm. Um, he, I thought that was him, he, but his face looked puffy. Well, because like clearly he's getting older and all that. He I think he did that for the role. Yeah, I don't doubt that. Because he was just in the other thing we watched, and he wasn't like that. What was the other thing we watched with him? The show, um, Black Mirror. Oh, Black Mirror. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. Um, yeah, like, I, like 
I'm not. I'm not saying that like, oh, he was like the standout or something like that. But mm-hmm. there's always been something about Josh Hartnett that I've always liked seeing him in in certain movies and so like he did this movie called like Lucky Number Eleven, which mm-hmm. is like it's all right, but his performance is really great. Um, so to see him in, like in a Christopher Nolan film and not just like as like uh, like a walk on role and like out, out of the scene, never seen again or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but him performing, especially like working, like bouncing off of like Killian Murphy's character, I thought it was really great because like the Oppenheimer character is very like kind of like all over the place, like just a lot of energy. Like we're gonna do this, we're gonna do that, right? And then Josh Hartnett's character, who he's play, he plays Ernest Lawrence. He's very like like stop, like hold down, like these are the politics we got to go through. Mm-hmm. We can't be doing this, right? But as he was like warming up to the character to the Oppenheimer character you can start to see him become to me more and more likable because mm-hmm. at the beginning he was like oh this is this seems like a cool guy and at one point when they were talking about like unionizing the, the teachers and shit like that he like came down hard on Oppenheimer um, but then he started warming up to that character again mm-hmm. so I, I this him like going back and forth and stuff like that well, I think was really great yeah um, you're not gonna talk about your boo which one Josh Peck? Josh Peck. <laughs> I purposely put him in. I was like, let me just put him in here because Kelsey's going to say I didn't put him in here. <laughs> he did get a walk-on role. Yeah, a lot of these people got, like, walk-on roles. And it's funny because I thought they were talking about trying to, like, recruit the scientists, and I thought he was one of them. Mm-hmm. That he got left in, like, Germany or something. Mm. And then, you know, he comes on later or whatever and mm. i'm like doing this smash cut thing in my head where i'm mm. like they really let josh peck from drake and josh push the fucking button <laughs> <laughs> you're very like yes <laughs> i don't know why i like him so much but I really would love to see him do something serious, and I think he's capable of it. I just don't see him anywhere. I think there was a movie that I saw. It wasn't not not dope. It was another movie. Oh, it's called The Wackness. It's mm-hmm. called The Wackness. I think it has. Um, I think it has Josh Peck. It's Josh Peck, right? That's mm-hmm. the um, I think it starred him. Now, I say I think because I haven't seen this movie in, like, well over 10 years. Oh, that's um, a long time ago. What? Uh, that would have been probably right when he lost the weight. Yeah, like, there, and it started, like, Ben Kingsley in it, and Josh Pegg played uh, a pot dealer. Mm. And it's like a coming-of-age story. I'm trying to, like, look through the IMDb page, but my computer is all slow as shit right now. But was he good in it? Yeah, I remember he was good in. That's the thing. I I do remember that he was in this movie. I was like, why does that kid look so familiar? And I looked up like IMDb. I was like, oh, that's the kid from Drake and Josh. <laughs> Never watched it. <laughs> that's what everyone else says. We had a debate in the office today okay. about which generation watched that show. Drake and Josh. Yes, because I was talking to Daya about it. She was like, I feel like that's before my time. Like I mean, like after my time. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I don't know. I watched it. I thought that show was hilarious. And then she's like, I think the other analysts would probably, like, watch that because they're all, like, 10 years younger than us. Mm. So, of course, the other analysts who are, like, all 25, they're like, yeah, you, I watched that show. I'm like, 
All right. Whatever. Um, yeah, see, that Drake and Josh, that was like... I, I That was after my time. Like... <laughs> I think the cats are fighting. No, they're just talking. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. Continue while I... They will to... start fighting, though, because Pocket's currently cleaning or grooming Patch's face. Okay, so yeah, Josh Peck. Let me find. Let me find this movie. Um, yeah, it's called The Wackness. Came out two thousand and eight. Mm. The Wackness. It's actually a legit movie. Uh, just this. This uh, for the synopsis. Uh, it's the summer of nineteen ninety four, and the streets of New York are pulsing with hip hop. Set against this backdrop, a lonely teen- teenager named Luke Shapiro uh, spends his last summer before university selling marijuana throughout New York City. Trading it with his unorthodox psychotherapist for treatment while having a crush on his stepdaughter. That's a legit. I remember watching. That's a legit film. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I that one I need to show. It. I know you would like that movie. Yeah. You know, because it's all the Josh Peck you can ever want. Um, I want Josh Peck now, not like. I mean, he's in a Christopher Nolan movie. I know, but like, it's not enough. Oh my god. Uh, they okay. should cast him as Superman. <laughs> whatever <laughs> okay so before we get into the spoiler section uh what is i mean the one thing everybody's talking about this movie is the explosion uh-huh. it's the the atomic a uh reenactment of atomic bomb going off mm-hmm. okay without spoiling it what did you think of of that scene i like how they did it because they didn't just focus on the bomb mm-hmm they focused a lot on like how people were affected by watching it, like mm-hmm. the emotion of it, how they were all kind of set up. Um, but also when the bomb went off, it was very like, you know how films do where they like make everything really quiet. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked that a lot. Like it was just really quiet and you got to kind of see it mm. until it wasn't quiet anymore. <laughs> Yeah, that's like one thing I really dug. And like I said, this is not a spoiler. We're just kind of getting as vague as fuck with it. Um, it was really dope how, like you said, like there was no sound. But what you heard was Oppenheimer breathing. Because mm-hmm. he's the guy who like helped. Who, he's, the guy, he's the guy who pretty much created this thing, right? Mm-hmm. So you would want his reaction. But like let's, like, let's not see him like jump around like, oh, my God, and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> let's like... Hear, hear him in his most honest way, which is like essentially like his heart beating. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought that was like a really great uh, artistic route that Nolan took. That also the thing the thing that like I was mesmerized is how he shot that scene. Mm-hmm. Like I have like this weird thing about like certain things that's like representation representation of like a void, mm-hmm. like a black hole type thing. Um, or how things that are can see destructive seem destructive. There's like a bit of like beauty in the chaos. Mm-hmm. So seeing this bomb go off and then the way how they shot it, mm-hmm. I was mesmerized by this. Mm-hmm. Like that was one of the reasons. Like like I said, I saw this when I saw it at the press screening. It was IMAX 70 millimeter, mm-hmm. which right there was like holy shit, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but that was one of the reasons why I wanted to rewatch it with you because i want to get your reaction but that was like the main thing i was like i want to see this bomb go off again <laughs> fucking amazing <laughs> it's like it's like it's like when we saw dune in theaters and we're like holy shit and then we watched it at home and we're like oh shit 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it wasn't that great. <laughs> um, honestly, I wouldn't mind rewatching this movie again, but it has to be like an IMAX seventy millimeter or just seventy millimeter. I know. I'm like, I want to. I kind of want to go watch it in seventy millimeter. It should be. Um, it should be an IMAX for like at least three months. Cause that's the oh, deal. Shit. Okay. Yeah, because that was part of the deal that Nolan got when he left WB to go to Universal. Was for for specifically for Oppenheimer, he was like, "I want to have control of IMAX for three months. Like <laughs> that is it." You yeah. Know? Um, so that's why that's why it's there. And of course, a lot of people are a lot of people are going to see it in IMAX because that's the way it should be seen. Mm-hmm. Um, so you yeah, want to get into the spoiler section? Yes. God, I hate my fucking voice now. It just... I don't hear it that much. Maybe because I don't talk enough. No, you talk enough. <laughs> I think I talk too much. I don't think that's your voice now. I just think, like... I don't know. You're tired. But I... But... See, I can't, I can't talk normally anymore. <laughs> just feel like it's something to do with your throat i don't think it's like mm. maybe because it's summer yeah dry throat uh-huh okay anyway so yeah we're gonna hop into the spoiler section uh we're gonna talk about oppenheimer at great lengths so if you don't want to be spoiled here's your spoiler bumper right about now So I should tell you the mm-hmm. same thing you told me. Okay. When um, I thought my voice changed suddenly. Okay. What did I tell you? Um, that everybody ages. So there you go. I'm getting old. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that you said that to me. My hair. Even though I was what? Like not even 30. <laughs> my hair is thinning. My voice is getting more raspy. My titties are, are drooping. <laughs> you need to get um, breast implants. I should do that thing The Rock did. Get, like, titty fat removed. Did he do that? He did that. If you watch if you watch his wrestling days, like, he has more fat in his boobage. But if you watch him now, it's, like, super It's like super tight. Like, you can tell they cut some meat off. Ew. Yeah. Anyway, so we're going to talk about Oppenheimer, other than The Rock's titties. <laughs> Um, all right, so let's so let's talk about that that character. Well, like, arc. Yeah. I mean, you got to know which one's more heinous, Oppenheimer or The Rock. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think The Rock killed a million Japanese people with one bomb. Not yet. As Black Adam, he probably uh, did. Damn. And everybody's expectations of that character. Yeah. Um, so Emily Blunt's. Her character, her character's character arc, um, as we were, you know, referring to in the uh, non-spoiler section. Yeah, that part where she's doing the when she's being que- questioned mm-hmm. by the quote-unquote prosecutor, um, and how like she like does this character turn of like, oh, I'm smarter than everybody in the room. But also, it didn't amount to anything. Yeah, it did. It just amounted to like. 
oh, this is like her moment in the movie. Yeah. Um, like. What, but it's like, it almost kind of makes me mad to think about. Oh, really? Yeah, because I'm like, she went from being like desired mm-hmm. to an awful mother mm-hmm. to being dragged around by her husband and hating every minute of it. Also like a lush, like clearly she And a is. lush. Yeah. And, you know, she clearly has, you know, anxiety and depression issues mm-hmm. to, you know, now she's screaming at everybody mm-hmm. like a fucking idiot. Like mm-hmm. she doesn't have any smarts. Yeah. And then she does this fucking interview, you know, for this fucking hearing, this fake hearing and shit. Yeah. And she's the smartest person in the room and it doesn't do anything. Yeah. So, like, she has her moment, but is it really a moment? Yeah, like, there was, like, one, it's like, there was no lead up to it. And, yeah, like you said, there wasn't anything that it really amounted to other than that, oh, she's not as dumb as she, she's not as dumb as we perceived her. But there's nothing to, like, really, like, the only thing that might have been a hint that she was smarter than she was letting on was the fact that she was, like, uh... I think like a science professor or a science teacher or something like that. Clearly, like she has some level of education that's not by the average individual. Which they don't show you or tell you at all. Yeah, they like there's like one line at the beginning, and it's like the first hour of the movie, maybe like the first like mm-hmm. thirty minutes or something like that. Yeah, and then even even when they started questioning her, she had her eyes down and mm-hmm. like she was like you know mousy and kind of scared looking or whatever you could tell she was kind of putting them on Mm -hmm. but it was very like why are you doing this yeah it was almost like cliche like you can almost hear the music like shit like like yeah yeah that was that was bad (laughs) you almost hear like the drum like boom and then like yeah (laughs) the character shift the fuck um he really doesn't know how to fucking write for women I'm I'm really trying to think about his previous. It's like he thinks about it too hard, Uh and so it never lands. Because if you would have just written her Mm -hmm. like any of the other men in the room, Mm. it would have been fine. Yeah, any of the other intelligent men in the room. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So back to the uh, explosive scene. Mm -hmm. Um, it was. It's it's interesting. It has like this lead up that's not like an obvious lead up. Um, like they're showing like the steps of like how it can go wrong. Like the fact like they talk about the weather for like a good like five minutes, you know. Um, and they even bring it up earlier in the movie where like oh if like the sh- if the wind shifts like only so much, then there's gonna be like like radi like radiation radi sorry radioactive material across like the land and stuff like that right. So it's like this, like slowly ticking away kind of thing, right? Mm-hmm. About like the weather, and then there's even that part where like the guys are like taking bets of like, oh, this what can go wrong, this this what can go wrong, um, and then how Matt Damon's character like asks Kelly Murphy's character like, why are you guys taking bets? Like, you know, what's that mm-hmm. about? So like I said, it's like taking these like small steps of like, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming, right? Um, I even like that part where. Uh, Matt Damon says, like, so you're saying there's a possibility that if we push that button, we can destroy the world. And, and like, Killer Murphy kind of, like, rest, reassures him, like, no, it's not going to be, it's not going to come to that. And then he puts a little, what's it called, caveats behind it, like, oh, it's, it's near 0%. He's like, near 0%? <laughs> like, it's very, like, oh, shit kind of moment, you know? 
What do you want with three alone? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and even, like, the countdown, that's the thing. Like, this is something that's happened in history. But, like, the movie has, like, built up to, like, this countdown so much that myself watching it was like, shit, here it comes. Mm. Like, even though even though I know, like, it doesn't go bad, I'm still like, it can go bad. <laughs> yeah. And I think that helps that, that that's to the power of Christopher Nolan's writing. He, to me, he's not like he's not the best writer. I like I have, like I, said, I have issues with Interstellar, Inception. You can like, you can write a freight train all the way to the plot holes in that movie. Mm-hmm. But this one, I feel like his writing got a lot tighter. Yeah, I think the writing was good in this one. Mm-hmm. Um, there were some things he. I mean, it's there was a lot going on, right? You can't expect perfection. So yeah. I'll say that he this movie was well written, but there were just some rough edges. You know, like his wife. Oh, yeah. yeah we talked about um, that, yeah. Even, even Robert Downey uh, Jr.'s character. Okay. I feel like there's a weird switch. Like, they almost want to do, like, ha-ha, you know? Oh, like, like, ha, he's the bad guy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which is like, why? Why did you do that? See, that's the thing. Like, history knows what he was. Yeah, I mean, uh, but obviously not a lot of people... Like know about the what's his name? His name is like what, Lee Strauss? I believe that's. His oh yeah, name. like Strauss. Strauss, Louis Strauss. Um, like a lot of people don't know about Louis Strauss. They just know like Oppenheimer, right? Mm-hmm. J. Robert Oppenheimer. Um, but if you're really into the into the guy, then you know about Louis Strauss, right? Mm-hmm. So obviously, there's an opportunity for Christopher Nolan to like play off of like people's stupidity, mm-hmm. and go like, okay, he's the villain, but I'm not gonna make it obvious he's the villain, right? And like I said, it wasn't until like my second viewing where I start seeing like the certain things of like, oh, this is him doing his plan, this is him calculating and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, even like, actually, you know what? The vilify part, I'm gonna walk that back like a little bit, a little bit. There were times where Oppenheimer, like, Louis Strauss was obviously like excited to, to meet Oppenheimer, right? Like there's that scene where like they first encounter each other. He's like greeting him and everything, and he's Strauss is trying to sell to the Oppenheimer like like teaches this school, like you're one of our greatest minds and all that kind of stuff, right? Mm-hmm. But like Oppenheimer makes like these little digs towards him that like he doesn't know that he thinks is an insult. Um, like he talks about the dude's father, like oh he was just a lonely shoe shoe salesman. He was like well he was a shoe salesman. You know, mm-hmm. um, and then like certain things that Oppenheimer says to Strauss, uh, Stra- Strauss, right? Strauss. Strauss says to Strauss that you can tell it bothers him a bit. Mm-hmm. And then there's even that part where Oppenheimer's about to leave, and Strauss is like, um, you know, like we want you for we want you for the position, and Oppenheimer just kept saying like I'm considering it, but he's t- he's like telling him I'm considering it, but I'm not really gonna t- take it. Mm-hmm. But thanks for, like, the view and shit like that. When Strauss is, like, doing all this. He'd be like, that's going to be your house. It's going to be here. we got everything set up for you. And Oppenheimer's like, yeah, maybe. Mm-hmm. So it's like, so I, that's the thing. If you're not really catching it, then you're kind of missing out of him being vilified a little bit. But only from, like, Strauss's. Uh, Strauss or Strauss? I can't feel like Strauss. Strauss. You only get into, like, from Strauss's uh, um, angle. I mean, kind of, but it's mm. like, I feel like his digs were less than what you encounter these days. Like, yeah, by absolutely. a lot. Yeah. And also, you know, it, 
It just seems like uh, Louis Strauss from the very beginning was like, I'm not a scientist, but I like this community because everyone's so full of themselves and I mm. want to be part of that. Mm. Okay. And so they I wouldn't let him in. And then he started to become like fucking... Um, what's the fucking guy from Invincible? The little asshole guy. Uh, little asshole guy. Oh, you the father? No, no, no. Um, the guy that was like the kid that uh was his fan and then became the bad guy. Are you sure not thinking of uh? Are you? Should- I'm talking about uh, uh, talking the Incredibles. The- Sorry. <laughs> yes. <laughs> What did I say? Invincible. <laughs> Close. <What>? Close. <laughs> talking about the guy, uh, Syndrome. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah, I get you. I, I was talking you. about the right thing, but my you. mouth said the wrong thing. Yeah, no, I get you. I get you. That's how I was like. No, this isn't a Cars 2. I know, moment. no, I know. I was just like, what character from Invincible? <laughs> Let me look that up real quick. And it started dawning me, like, oh, shit, she's talking about the Incredibles. <laughs> yeah. No, I get what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. I took, like, the. Um, the uh, Strauss character is like, it's, it's like the syndrome character from from The Incredibles, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, I told yeah, I can totally wow, I like that comparison. <laughs> this like dead serious three hour atomic blonde, no atomic blonde, atomic bomb movie, mm-hmm. and compare the character to like a kid's movie. <laughs> I mean, I mean that's an accurate description though. But The Incredibles is pretty serious though. Yeah, but it's like. It's, it's something where like kids and kids and adults can watch. Yeah, you well, know. obviously kids and adults can watch Shut this too. Shut up about that fucking kid. <laughs> um. So. Yeah, I like fuck that guy. Um. I honestly, I'm glad that the movie didn't just focus too much on Oppenheimer sleeping around on his wife. Mm-hmm. But there's a part of me, too, that's like, so why did you even bother with Florence Pugh's character, Jean Tatlock? Like, why? She didn't amount to anything. Mm-hmm. Um, his mental breakdown over her dying was not like... He, he kind of got over it pretty quickly. It, it happened fast, and it went away fast. Like So it yeah. didn't really affect the story at all. So you either need to incorporate it better or mm. cut it. Well, like like I said, once again, that's that's one of the issues with uh, Christopher Nolan's writing. Yeah, I know. I know. Do you though? I do. Um, so there's that. Mm-hmm. Also, I just they, those fucking contacts on Florence Pugh, like she, they made her look like a fucking demon from Supernatural. Or yeah, because she has shit. like blue eyes, right? She has blue eyes, and these I ones thought, are like a reddish brown. I thought they were very effective. Really? Yeah, like, uh, like it didn't, it didn't really. Okay, I don't say very effective. It didn't bother me until I, I kind of forgot that she had blue eyes. Um, but I thought it worked well for I. And I, this is why I think it worked well. This is why I think it worked well, because they had the right lighting. Because if you think about it, all, the lighting was a, it was a very yellow lighting on her whenever they showed the character. It was normally at night, and it was like low light and shit like that. So it worked. I think it became more apparent. Um, when they showed her in the daylight. I, I thought it was apparent the whole time. Nah, but okay. I think that's partly because I'm sensitive to that. Because I think mm. 
fake contacts look bad on everyone. Like they just mm. look like garbage on anyone who wears them. I think it, I think they look garbage when the person has obviously brown eyes and they're supposed to have blue eyes. It looks really fucking weird. Well, my thing with her is that the, it was like the contacts were too mm. big. Mm, okay. They were like too big. They were like reddish brown, and you could see that in all light. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just made her look like a demon. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. You know, she is kind of one in this movie anyway, so. A, a demon? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Emily Blunt's character probably saw her as that. Probably. <laughs> anyway. Um, she might as well have been playing Lilith. <laughs> that would have been funny. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think what else. You want to talk about Matt Damon? Since you, you didn't like, like him, you didn't like Matt Damon. I know, but you did. I like Matt Damon because I think he was like perfect for the role. I like, I know, like I know how you're saying that, like how pe- like you're tired of or you're sick of like this kind of like pro America military complex type thing. But I know I, the movie calls for it, though. Yeah, I know that's the thing. I think it really worked well, especially for like Matt Damon because um, it was of that time, obviously. Um, so it worked for me on two areas one is like yeah it was matt damon being matt damon but like he's so good just being matt damon but he also worked well in being like the rock um to oppenheimer and he did soften up a lot yeah yeah like he did soften up he eventually did softening up soften up uh quite a bit like he came off he he did come off hard Mm -hmm. like at the beginning but when um like when the bomb was created and then like he can kind of tell it was bothering Oppenheimer he was like there not necessarily take like the brunt of like what was coming at him but he was like almost understanding like hey we did a, we did a job like he was putting him, he was putting he was putting Oppenheimer in, pers- in um, putting him in perspective you know like or putting sorry what's the word I'm looking for I'm using the wrong word um putting him in some perspective whatever how, how you phrase it but he was having Oppenheimer help him realize like this is what we sought out to do like there's consequences but it was all for the greater good mm-hmm. that that's what I guess that's what I'm trying to say he was helping Oppenheimer yeah Opp- to, yeah he, he was helping Oppenheimer to like like I know he didn't specifically say this like I know blows on your hands or he can tell like is this whole thing bothered him but he's like we did this for the greater good there was a reason why we did this we're not mass murderers yeah which I think Oppenheimer pretty much knew that anyway mm-hmm. um I think his issue was towards the end mm-hmm. what's gonna happen when we complete the bomb like what are you guys gonna do with it yeah um and I think that's when his character was like don't worry about it. Like they're gonna do what they're gonna do with it. It'll, yeah. it'll help everyone. Yeah. Um. But also, I like the fact that he, you know, this isn't so much about Matt Damon and more about, I guess, how Oppenheimer was treated. But mm. he lost complete control of that thing once he completed it. Yeah. And he didn't have to, but Leslie Groves, played by Matt Damon. Mm called him as soon as the first drum was uh, bomb was dropped yeah which is like he didn't have to do that yeah. so obviously he has some high level of respect for him yeah absolutely um what else for a second i didn't know that was robert downey jr really 
for a little while. I was mm. like, I mean, there's okay. Before you get to laughing, because I know you're going to. Okay. There's an actor who gets confused a lot with Stanley Tucci. Okay. Do you know him? Nah, nothing. Nothing comes to mind. Well, whoever that guy is, that's kind of who I thought it was at first. I'm like, I know it's not Stanley Tucci, uh-huh. but I think it's this other guy who kind of gets confused for him a lot. And then I realized because of how Robert Downey Jr. moves that mm-hmm. it was him. And I'm like, oh, yeah, it's the eyes and the mouth and like how he moves his head a lot. <laughs> what? I think, I think I know what you're talking about. Is it Mark Strong? I don't know. Let me see. This is Mark Strong. Uh, no. No? His eyes are too small. They kind of look, they kind of look similar. They do look similar. Okay. Is it Jason Statham? No. (laughs) I know who that guy is. Okay. Well, Kelsey looks it up. Um... What else? Oh, this is another thing I actually liked about the movie. It didn't just end like the bomb goes off. Like, success, aha, and everything. Like, no, there's like an additional, like, what, I think, like, hour of, like, Oppenheimer, like, dealing with the repercussions of, like, what happened, and then him trying to, like, be very um, vocal with his power of, like, this is something that we should reconsider. Um, Because we use this, we shouldn't be creating more weapons and all that kind of stuff. What happened? You know who I was thinking about? Who? Stanley Tucci. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's this guy who looks like Stanley Tucci. He looks, he looks similar to him. It's so weird. Like I, I get confused by the. Oh, it's Stanley Tucci. <laughs> Hold on. The reason is. Uh huh. Because Stanley Tucci is getting older, and when I remember him, I think of him younger. Okay. So when I was like, oh, he looks like Stanley Tucci, Mm -hmm. I was thinking, like, this other guy who's maybe a little bit older or not as, like, well put together, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm like, I think it's that guy, like, who it reminds me of. And then now I'm looking it up. I'm like, oh, it is Stanley Tucci, because Stanley Tucci is getting old. Like, Oh, my God. Okay. (laughs) Well, like... I mean, you can just kind of see it. No, I... Okay. <laughs> it's so adorable. <laughs> um, all right, I mean, all right. I'm kind of crazy, but I kind of have a point. <laughs> okay, uh, let me just finish my thought real quick. Um, yeah, so... <laughs> God, I almost forgot what I was going to say. So, yeah, the whole thing about Oppenheimer being vocal and stuff like that... Um, you can tell like Nolan was like no this dude was like a human being he had regret and all that kind of stuff um of course there are people who are on the other side it's like no he created the he created the A-bomb like he created it like yeah you can you can be like you can have remorse but at the same time like you knew what you were doing mm-hmm. kind of thing so I'm not like it doesn't really that doesn't really bother me I can see both sides of the arguments of like you know they try to make him a good guy near the end but also like no he did do this at the same time, yeah. You know? So I can I I think they walked that line really well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is yeah. Well, basically, what I was trying to say. Um, I, I well, you know what I didn't like. Hmm. They didn't go into it seems enough. like a lot you didn't like about this movie. <laughs> no, I'm sorry, I was just joking. I didn't like that they didn't really differentiate the the 
differences between the A-bomb and the H-bomb very well, mm-hmm. and which one is worse. Because mm. they made the nuclear bomb, yeah. which is probably worse. I think that one's worse, yeah. but then they're like, oh, the H-bomb is like really bad. It's like a bigger explosion or something. Yeah. It's- so they didn't do a very good job of like... Since he yeah. worked on both projects, and it's not just about the atomic bomb. Yeah. Like, why didn't they... It would have only taken a minute, like, yeah. to just kind of clear that up a little bit. Yeah, the only thing they kind of, like, really kind of, like, throw out there real quick was um, the fact that Truman starts, like, the H-bomb program. Like, But it's just, like, a quick mention of it. Yeah. Like, that's it, you know. Um, so I get what you're saying. Yeah, because they were kind of going back and forth of, like, which which is dangerous but they weren't like clarifying exactly which was worse or how's one how's one going to affect the other or, or the only thing i can kind of take it was like the atomic bomb was like the stepping stone and then to the h-bomb to the h-bomb that's how i took it but it seems like they didn't i like i, I i'm but, saying but i'm like the, why would you need a stepping stone to the h-bomb if the a-bomb was worse yeah or kind of or kind of cement the idea of like this is where we were going and this is how it got to this point. Not just like, oh, we created it, and now here's this mm-hmm. kind of thing. Um, so, yeah, like, I, I get what you're saying. Yeah. Uh, so, last thought. Um, well, last thought on my end. I really liked the last, like, 30 seconds of the movie. Where, like, we get a reveal of what uh, Oppenheimer said to Einstein. Mm-hmm. And he's like... Oh, remember that note I showed you? Um, I said we. It, what he said? Not only that we're on a path, but this is kind of paraphrasing. Like we're on the path of creating. Oh yeah, we're like on the path of creating to like destroying the world, mm-hmm. right? And he ended up saying like, "Oh, we. I think we succeeded." And then it's like it's, he's like envisioning all like the uh, the weapons being created, being fired, the Earth being destroyed, and stuff like that. So I thought that was a great bookend to what we got at the beginning, where he's essentially seeing like life, and like on a molecular level, (laughs) molecular. There you go, level. But at the end of the movie, he's like, he's the whole thing of like I become death kind of thing. Like now that's all I'm seeing is like destruction. Mm -hmm. Um, So I thought that was like a great like open open book and open book. That was a great beginning and a great bookend for the movie. Mm-hmm. All right. So should people check this out? Yes. Okay. One one of the, my, like, here's my closing statement. Mm-hmm. I normally don't say this should be seen by everyone mm-hmm. for any of the movies we watch because mm-hmm. a lot of the movies we watch are either very clearly for or very clearly not for most people who would actually rather just go watch an action movie mm-hmm. right so like obviously mission impossible action movie people will like it mm-hmm. um but i'm what i'm finding with this one is that just about everyone likes it um including people who like action movies even though this movie is slower paced and like it's not a lot of action going on because it's a bunch of physicists like mm. um so that impresses me a lot, and I really think that, um, that like, if you had any questions or qualms about um, about going to see the movie, mm-hmm. you should just go see the movie. Yeah, this movie makes me want to check out this. It's this book called um, it's called American Prometheus: The Triumph and the Triumph and Tragedy of uh, John 
Robert Oppenheimer. Um, I actually want to because the, the movie the movie is based like kind of based off this book. I actually want to check out that book now. Yeah. Um, I think it recently got released too. I actually don't take that back. It's been out. Oh, it's been out since two thousand five. So. Hmm. But yeah, so that's about it. So, what do we got next? Um, I need to show you two more pictures. Okay. And I just need you to tell me okay. if I'm right. Okay. Okay. Not that Stanley Tucci Stanley Tucci. Mm. Just that he kind of looks like how Robert Downey Jr. did. Okay. Okay. It's these two pictures. This one. Okay. And this one. They're the same guy. I know, but they look like Robert Downey Jr. In I, that role. Yeah. Just, you know, he needs hair. Yeah, but I... <laughs> Stanley Tucci is bald. All right. I'm not seeing it. I, I guess because I'm so stuck of like, how do you mix Stanley Tucci with Stanley Tucci? <laughs> <laughs> but I'm glad I'm glad you see it. <laughs> I know we don't have any listeners, but I wish somebody would come to my aid. They will. <laughs> Posthumously. <laughs> yeah. All right. What do we got next? Now. Okay. Now we'll go to the next thing. Um, next, we're going to do our variety time um we're gonna talk about comic-con that's our variety time yeah i didn't see you give yeah, me the cue i did a request <laughs> I know, but I was kind of looking this way, and your hand was right behind the mic, so I didn't know. <laughs> uh, yeah, so we're gonna go over um, our trip down to San Diego Comic Con. Uh, let's let's break it down by day. Okay. Um, yeah, what happened the first day? Oh, first day we just pretty much walked the floor. Well, you had interviews. Yeah, but at the beginning we walked the floor. Uh, For like a little tiny bit Because you had to get your questions ready Yeah So we ended up in the um, Well we couldn't find me a lanyard Oh yeah we were looking for Looking for a new lanyard Made all these little tiny little bags and shit Instead of lanyard Like what the fuck Yeah that was that was new That was weird Uh, So yeah Kelsey and I On the first day we went And we had a couple interviews to do One was to this director named Bashal um, Duda, I think. Duda or Dutta? Dutta. Bashal Dutta, D-U-T-T-A. Uh, he's this Indian-American filmmaker, um, and he he directed this movie called It Lives Inside that's uh, being distributed by uh, Neon. So we sat down and talked to the dude for like, what, about 10 minutes? 10 minutes and some change? They said 10 minutes, but it was actually pretty short. Was it pretty short? Yeah, it was, well, longer than most, so I would say it was like six or seven minutes. I said maybe eight or nine because I, I was keeping, <clears throat> I was keeping the time on the recorder. So oh. let's say like eight to nine minutes. Okay. Yeah. Um, that dude was so interesting to talk to. You can tell he has like a love for film. Hmm. Um, as soon as he started talking about film theory, you guys were like, like best buds. We're like we're bros. Like, did we just become best friends? <laughs> yes. <laughs> um. So yeah, that dude, uh, Vishal Dutta, um. Yeah, look him up. Uh, B i s h a l d u t t a. Like I say, I haven't I, I haven't 
posted my interview yet, but it'll be up on Screen Geek maybe by the end of the week. Um, but yeah, we talked about his film. We broke down certain uh, parts of the movie where he came up with the idea. Um, and then, like I said, like I said, we did, he just went off about like about horror films and how it's like symbolism about how our darkest desires are evils and everything like that. Um, and he was really calming to listen to. Oh yeah, absolutely. I was just like, I can talk to you for hours, man. Like I, I, I like this guy. Mm-hmm. Um, where Kelsey and I are, are kind of trying to, we're not kind of, we're working on things in the background about maybe about trying to get him on the show. Um, he seemed really keen to like hear about the podcast, but of course, the um, the guy, the PR guy, yeah, Clay, was basically doing his job and was like, "No, like, like get out." Yeah, <laughs> um, which sucks. Uh, well, I can give you an update on that. Yeah, they did. They did respond. What they say? Um, that they were they wanted to get a oh no I did tell you this that they want a bit of information how long we're going to talk to them all that kind of stuff and then I sent her I sent the PR uh, her name's like Tina uh, I sent her a uh, a link to our ladies episode okay so hopefully I don't know I haven't heard back so hopefully something will come of it okay um, that's not what I wanted him that's not why you wanted him no I'm saying like like that's not the fire the gusto we like the the oh, emotion, the energy that we had from him. Yeah, yeah. No, I get you. I don't like that. Well, it's from the PR people. No, I know that. It's just different. No, I get you. I get yeah. you. Like, I'm still happy about them. They're fine. They're doing their job. Yeah. They're nice people. Just, you know, so excited. And then. <laughs> well, hopefully, hopefully it will happen. Hopefully it will happen and we can get them on the show. Yeah. Uh, and then we went to another... Uh, when he went to another interview, it was a roundtable for this WB and WBDC animated film called Justice League War World. Um, oh my god, this shit was excruciating! Cause like, this is worse than going into a movie theater with kids talking. Oh, absolutely. So. If you folks don't know, roundtable interviews are essentially you're in a room. There are a bunch of tables. You share the table with other members of the press. Talent comes um, to the table where it's an actor, director, producer, writer, whatever. Sometimes it's one person at a time. Sometimes it's two. Exactly. Um, And then you just fire off these questions. Hopefully you get your question in because you're normally seated with like five people. And you get like five minutes. Yeah, and some yeah sometimes you only get five minutes with the talent. Sometimes it's ten minutes, but there's no like actual I guess decorum when it comes to getting these questions out. Sometimes they you know sometimes the talent like the talent will stop talking and then somebody would just ask a question. Um, but there are other times where that person who asks a question asks like three more questions, which is in my opinion a real dick move to mm-hmm. do. Um, and I've encountered that several times. But what also made this roundtable kind of suck ass. And it was the worst thing, in my opinion. The, uh, yeah, you know what? I'll say, I'll, I'll say this is like the worst roundtable I've been to. It was that they did... they Apparently, they gave the press line much more time than they gave the people who were at the roundtable. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, we would get a talent... Like, we even get a talent for, like, another, like 20, 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. And then we got that talent. And then, like, another, like, 15, 20 minutes to the next one. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And then 15, 20 minutes to the next one, shit like that. It got to the point that Kelsey and I, we're just talking to the other people of the press. Just, like, getting to know them and shit like that. I was playing games on my phone. Yeah. And, like, <laughs> it was, like, fuck. But, like, some of the... Endless t- and the loudness in the room. Yeah. That was another thing. Um, there was... Let me see if I can actually find uh, the people who we spoke to. Um, yeah. It, oh, yeah. You go ahead. It, it, like, it was so awful that... We would ask a question or like the the talent would be answering a question mm. and we couldn't even hear what they were saying because of very, I don't, there were certain people who shouldn't have been talking as loudly as they were. Or laughing as or loud. Or laughing as loudly as they were. It was like, and they were doing it and it wasn't the talent and it wasn't, and it wasn't the interviewers. Yeah. <laughs> so... Yeah, and, that, and that's the thing. Like, like, they should know better. That's the thing. When you do, like, these roundtables, like, there's no, like I said, there's, not only is there no decorum with the people you're sharing the table with, but the other people at the table either. Because we're all trying to talk and, like, talk to the talent. And then, you, of course, you have your recorder. You're trying to get your sound bites and everything. And sometimes you have to, like, you have to really shout your shit out to, like, be heard, you know. Um, so that was, like, one of the, that was, that's that was one of the issues that Kelsey and I came across. Um, but whenever we got to sit down, whenever the talent got to sit down with us, it actually got a little. In my opinion, it got a little bit better because because it, it was like we're doing something instead of just like sitting waiting around. No, yeah, definitely. Um, so just to kind of let you guys know, we had spoke to Jeff Jeff Wamster, uh, or sorry, Wamster, sorry, Jeff Wamster, who's the director, uh, Butch L U K I C. Lucci? Uh, L-U-K-I-C. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lukic? Lukic. Uh, that was the guy that or you really like. That was the guy you really liked. Jeff? No, 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 no. The Lukic guy. That was the guy Jeremy? with the gray hair. No, 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 no. That was the guy with the gray hair, the one who was very like... Oh, yeah, I liked him, but I liked the, the Jeremy guy better. Well, yeah, we'll, we'll get into that. So that so that's what we, we spoke to them. Uh, Jim Krieg. I'm uh, sorry, Jim Krieg. Uh, Jim, no, Jim was the guy who was... That was right. That's the guy that you liked. Mm-hmm. That's why I was like, who? What? Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then Jeremy Adams, who was a screenwriter, who's one of the screenwriters. That dude was super friendly. Mm-hmm. Like, I really liked that and guy. And humble. Yeah, as humble and humble as fuck. Like, I ended up bumping into him, I think, on the second day of the con. Um, you know, just like, hey, Jeremy. He was like, he looked at me. He goes, oh, hey, what's going on, man? Yeah, I remember you. And we like talked for like five minutes or something like that. So the dude, that Jeremy Adams dude, if you're listening, I know, you, and I know you are, super friendly guy. Like mm-hmm. that's a dude I, I want to talk to for a while. And we talked to Ernie uh, Albuquerque, A L A L T B A C K E. I don't know. I can't. Ah. <clears throat> so yeah, like we got. We, like I said, we got we got some of our questions in, not a whole lot. Um, and like Kelsey has said, there are people in the room who were being loud as fuck. These and it's funny, it's like they're being so loud, it was very unprofessional of them because we're all like we're all trying to get this sound bites. We're all trying to get these questions, right? Mm-hmm. And then you just hear <laughs> Like, right behind you. Yeah, yeah. And the thing, the thing is, is like Kelsey and I, like you can't really say anything to these people because they're the one who like makes the connections. You know, mm-hmm. like I saw in Kelsey's eyes that she wanted to like 
I know that you wanted to say something, and I was just like, no, no, like this is not, this is not the time. This, like, <laughs> I, I agree with you, but like, just don't do it. There was <laughs> a point where I was hoping because I kept looking. I was hoping that they would see mm-hmm. that I'm looking at you, mm. so I don't have to say something. Yeah. But they're so self-involved in the shit that they were talking about, which was nothing really. Yeah. That they didn't care and they didn't notice. Yeah. Uh, so we did that, and then uh, after the interview, we went to our favorite burger joint, and the guys. Ho dads. Ho dads. Um, we got two stickers. They're in my purse. Oh, did we? Oh, yeah, that's right. I forgot about those stickers. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, they got this. They got this. Blue Jay Burger, which is like blue cheese, bacon. And oh, it's a blue cheese sauce, which in my opinion sauce. is better than blue cheese because mm-hmm. it's not dry and crumbly. Yeah. So Money Rings, like, it's it's a place that kills and that we always go to that place whenever, always on the first night whenever we go to Comic-Con. It's just like a You ritual. know, since we went there with James. <laughs> yeah. Damn. That was a good time. Mm. Um, so that was the first, that was the first day. The second day, um... Kelsey and I just like we pretty much like walked the floor. No, 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 no. The second day mm-hmm. we took a ferry. Oh, that's and we went to go eat breakfast somewhere, which uh, was like pretty cool because I wanted, I definitely wanted to do it on the water. Yeah, it was all right. You know, like the, the, the quesadillas f- were really good. Yeah, the food was all right. Yeah. Um, and then we walked. Uh And that's when we realized our mistake. Yeah, <laughs> we had that big breakfast and was like, yeah, let's go walk. A mile down the road in like ninety eight degree weather. Well, I didn't think that the breakfast was too big because I didn't finish it. Mm-hmm. It wasn't about that for me. It was just very hot and humid already. Yeah, and it was like ten, yeah, eleven yeah, o'clock. Yeah. Like, um, and because it was so humid and so hot, mm-hmm. I didn't even. I was so worried about how I felt and mm-hmm. how miserable I was mm-hmm. that I didn't even remember about sunscreen. Yeah, yeah. By the end of the day, you were red, like red. <laughs> um, I even was sick in the middle of the day. Yeah, you had to lay down for a little while. I still had a good time though. Like it. Yeah, yeah. Like I'm only saying this because people don't know, but I, I actually have almost like PTSD over humidity. Oh yeah. Because yeah. it just makes me so sick, and I don't think people take mm-hmm. me seriously. Mm-hmm. Um. So, like, I was, like, really sick. And mm-hmm. it affected me for the rest of the day because I couldn't either eat or drink. Like, yeah. like we wanted to go out for drinks later, and I just couldn't really keep up. Yeah. So, yeah, like I said, Kelsey and I were walking the floor for a little bit. Um, we tried one of the events. It was for the, this event. Um, it, they call it, like, event or activation events or something like that. Where It's, like, a display. You check out. Like, because... Studios are trying to sell you the idea of like, oh, here's a new show, here's a movie coming out. Mm-hmm. They have like these activities that you can do and all that kind of stuff. First of all, the one for Hulu, the line was incredibly long. It was almost as long as the walk from the fucking breakfast place. Exactly, exactly. To was, the convention center. It was so fucking long. And Kelsey, and I, it's we're already hot. And my thing is like, I'm not gonna stand in line. I have this thing about standing in line for too long. My whole thing is like, if I stand in line for half an hour, it's not worth it. Like, mm-hmm. I don't give two shits what's... It. I don't care if it's Taylor Swift or some shit, whatever. Well, like you don't that. like Taylor Swift, but would you wait half an hour for Edgar Wright? If... If... There was shade. Really? If there was shade. Not a true fan. I'm sorry I respect myself. 
<laughs> Do you think Edgar Wright cares? Like, oh, he sat in the sun for a while. Let me, let me do something special. True fans are not self-respecting. Well, even though I did wait in line for like 45 minutes to get, <laughs> for him to sign my record. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> but I'm old. I'm going, this is like, this is like my early 30s. I'm old now. <laughs> not even 10 years later. I, I was young then and I'm old now. Yeah, I'm old now. As, as my voice uh, says. I'm rolling my eyes. Uh, so yeah, we didn't we didn't wait in that. So the, like I said, the hula line we didn't wait in there. We're like, fuck this. We walked halfway down the length of the line. Yeah, and I, you know, walking for f- close to ten minutes, mm-hmm. and you're like, no, like we're not doing this because <laughs> yeah, it's hot, it's humid, there's no shade. It was eighty six percent humidity. Yeah, like that's how bad it was. Yeah, and we actually got to a point, and this is this is one of the perks of being a press member. It gets you in places that normal attendees don't get to there is a particular floor in a particular hotel that we can go to and not be bothered by anybody because it's a press only area and we can actually chill the fuck out and it's a place to sit you can sit down and not be stuck around a bunch of other people and a ton of ac Mm -hmm. um so yeah we hung out there for a little bit um Oh, okay. So this I was getting to. So we went to this FX thing where they were showing off displays of like the new shows, like Snowfall, um, uh, what we do in the shadows, uh, American Horror Story, and then there was this show that's coming out called Shogun, mm-hmm. um, which I know nothing about. Like Me what's it, like? They didn't even really give an idea. Like the only thing, the only thing you know about the movie, it takes place in feudal Japan. That's it. <laughs> by the given by the name and like the displays they show. Mm-hmm. But we were like. <laughs> I just remembered when we were in line. Oh yeah, we were waiting in line <laughs> to like this 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 activity thing they were gonna do, and like there was somebody, there was like a team recording somebody's reaction, and this lady kept saying, "I can't wait for Shogun," or "I'm really excited about Shogun," and she said this like six times, and as I say as I said that Kelsey's eye twitched. <laughs> She's like, I can't wait for Shogun. I can't wait for Shogun. I really can't wait for Shogun. Like, they were trying to get the right sound bite. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then, like, out of nowhere, I said, <laughs> I can't wait for Shogun. No, what's it? God, what did I say exactly? I said, like, something like Fo Shogun. Uh, no, I said that. Did you say Fo Shogun? Yeah. I thought I said Fo Shogun. I did. I could have, oh, yeah, you said Foshogan, and then I sold it. Like Then you sold it, and like, yeah. the person in line next to us and was what, like, oh, that's funny. I know. What I watched the show, Foshogan. <laughs> 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 but, yeah, we went to this, like, activity thing where you're supposed to, like, look over this fence that's supposed to be, like, this fake digital, like, uh, koi pond, and you're supposed to see your face in, like, this digitized version of, like, a Shogun outfit, and it sucked. It, it didn't, didn't even work for me. It, yeah, it didn't Because they work. didn't even tell me what it, didn't it was work for. for. Me either. Yeah. And they're like, yeah, you just put your hands there, but I think you're supposed to put pressure or something. The guy said put pressure on it, and I did. But he didn't tell me that. Yeah. So that sucked ass. Uh, <laughs> and so we went back to the f- we went back to the floor, um, just walking around, checking out stuff, checking out stands and everything. We were trying to find things to buy for our kids. Which is weird. They didn't have the same stuff they normally do. Yeah. Like, I was really looking for cat ears for Cadence, and yeah. they didn't have that. I didn't find elf ears. Yeah, yeah. And, ju- and just to let you folks know, this was a very comic-centric Comic-Con. There was, like, 
like Netflix wasn't there, Sony wasn't there, uh, WB weren't there. Like it was just the bare minimum kind of stuff. Which that's necessarily a bad thing. If yeah. you go to comic books, Comic Con for the comics, that's cool. Um, Kelsey and I go there. We go there for both the comics, the the movies, and just to kind of be around the atmosphere, like the energy and mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. Um, so yeah, uh, like I said, we we're walking around for a little bit. Um, oh, it did feel a little bit more capitalist this year. I think because a lot of because there wasn't a lot for people to like consume, like mm, uh, content wise. Yeah. It just felt like everyone was there to buy stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then uh, the greatest thing that happened on that day, mm. uh, there there was a trauma booth, and my man Louis Kaufman was there, uh, producer, director, writer, uh, and head the CEO of Troma Films was there and I told him I was like oh my god like I love your work man I've been a fan of it for like years this is that and everything and I asked him like can I get a picture he's like, yeah sure of course you know and he, and he said I really like your shirt I was like oh, you noticed me <laughs> but yeah the funny thing is like I was gonna like stand next to him cause I didn't know like like the touching thing, like if I put if I can put my arm around him on his back or like whatever. No, he like went to me, he put his he put his arm like on my back, like here, like let me get a good pose. And then I put my arm around his on his shoulder and we took the picture and it's fun it's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Phenomenal. Um and so I left, met up with Kelsey, I showed her a picture and I said, Let me see if I can talk to him about getting an interview. So Kelsey and I walk back there, and I tell him, oh, I'm with Screen Geek. Uh, I would love to talk to you about trauma. And he says, yeah, that's great. You know, we're coming up on our 50th anniversary. And he gave me his... Uh, business card. Gave me his business card. Why do I keep thinking I lost it? No, I haven't. Because I, I told you, put it in your wallet. I have and it. you It's said in yes. my wallet. It's in my wallet. Um, and we, we actually started talking to him a little bit about about our podcast and he was and about maybe coming on the show for like a variety of time. Um he sounded kind of interested, but then he kind of—I felt like he got kind of annoyed because this other guy want, want, still want to talk to him some more. I, I didn't take it as him being annoyed. I took it as him as like, okay, you guys took my time, but like, like trying I, to keep it moving. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. I want to talk to like I want to talk to everybody. I can't just talk to you, you know. Yeah, yeah. So I don't really take it as being annoyed. Um, well, that's good because you know, definitely didn't want to annoy him. So. Yeah, he's a he's a busy guy. Yeah, like, no, I like, know. And he has people who like love his stuff that always want to talk to him. Yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah, he didn't definitely didn't want to talk to me because I don't know his shit. No, he liked he did <laughs> when you told him about how, like how you thought Troma and Juliet was a sweet movie. Mm. No, he, I didn't he, think it was a sweet. Oh, movie. the ending. I'm sorry, the ending was a, it was sweet. He was saying like, yeah, sweet with incest. <laughs> <laughs> um. So then, uh, one of the reasons we like going to Comic Con is is the bar scene. Uh, it's my favorite part. Uh, yeah, it's the bar scene on Saturday night. As if you folks listen to our our last Comic Con trip, where we got to hung, hang out with Dan Harmon for a little bit. <laughs> I, what we do? What we do that for? That time, you know. That's just you know. That was me mm-hmm. reacting to Dan Harmon. That we uh, did the thing. Yeah. Uh-huh. I don't know. It's a normal response. Yeah. It would seem kind of like, pff, like, whatever. No. <laughs> Just like, pff, that whole thing. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, there was Kelsey and I. Well, like I said, Kelsey was red as fuck. <laughs> I know. And I forgot my foundation. She forgot her foundation for her makeup. And I was like, 
fuck it. Like, that saves time. So let's just go. <laughs> uh, and we found this Cuban Cuban cuisine spot called Havana. 1920. 1920. Oh, my God. That food was fucking delicious. But not only that, it was a whole thing. Like, yeah, it was you a got whole there. Thing, yeah. It was like these little tables with these chairs. It wasn't like particularly like nice, but mm. it wasn't like trashy, right? It was definitely yeah. like trying to be of its time. Yeah. And on the tables, they had like these old coffee cans mm-hmm. that were holding like utensils and like and napkins. napkins and stuff. Yeah. I'm like, that tracks. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, the funny thing is, like, I grew up around Puerto Ricans, right? Mm-hmm. So I didn't really think like, um, I didn't. I didn't grow up around Cubans, and I guess I realized just that Saturday how much the two cultures overlap. Mm-hmm. Because the coffee can thing is still like a Puerto Rican thing, like the empanadas, the um, some of the foods that they had, the plantains. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh yeah, that's Puerto Rican. So I, I don't know. I got more and more excited, even though I was already there. <laughs> Yeah, you like you were, and that's the thing. I was kind of like, I was I was in this mood of like because I I thought we were we weren't gonna really enjoy ourselves because like how because I because of think, how red I was. <laughs> well, because because we had a long we had a a long day. Um, God, I can't find my notes now. We had a long day, mm-hmm. and you were tired. There it is. You were tired, and I felt like I felt like I was probably gonna be crashing any moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and I felt I was thinking like shit. We're not gonna like be out at, be out long enough to enjoy the night. But by the time we got to the by the time we got to the Havana 1920, and we had the first, I forgot what those those drinks were. I know they were like mixed with rum. But uh, as soon as I got one of those drinks in me, I was like, all right, like I'm cool. Like all right, we're gonna have fun. We're gonna have a good time. They were daiquiris. Daiquiris. That's what they were. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Plus, what was that dude's name? Jason, right? Justin. Justin. Justin, the, the our server, nicest fucking guy. Yeah. Uh, so we're sitting there and we're mm. eating. We didn't even get to the main courses. We're just oh, yeah, <laughs> ordering we, we, off of this. The, the appetizers. We're eating like <laughs> empanadas and like and ceviche, ceviche and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. that that's all we need because it was so fucking filling. It was filling. so good. Yeah. Um... And I happened to notice by the check stand, there was like a wallpapered door. I'm like, I know that's an elevator, Mm. but I thought it just wasn't in service. So they wallpapered it so people wouldn't be like, oh, that's an elevator that doesn't work, you know? Mm. But then I saw people coming in and out of the elevator like, uh, you know. Like the other servers. Yeah. And I happened to look up at the top and it said speakeasy. Like it wasn't like on the wall it was like in the door frame where you couldn't see it if you weren't paying attention mm-hmm. i was like is there a speakeasy downstairs and, and the server was like yeah i could take you to it after if you want <laughs> i'm like yeah <laughs> he's like okay <laughs> yeah so and it was <laughs> it was just cool because we were like when it's elevator going down to the speakeasy yeah and the speakeasy was uh another spot called prohibition was it called Prohibition? Mm-hmm. It was a cool spot. It was small. Um, it has red light, so the tin lighting. ceiling. Yeah, they had a band there, but unfortunately, like they were done playing for the night. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Kelsey and I, we were. I think we were there maybe like ten or fifteen minutes before. I was like, well, let's go find that one spot. Um, Tivoli. Was it? Is it called Tivoli? 
Was it that one that we were trying to catch up with the one actor? Yeah, uh, DJ yeah. Qualls. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, and yeah, we like walked over there. The bar was pretty sad. So it like, was like the saddest yeah. bar I think I've ever seen. Yeah, so I was like, ah, fuck this. Um, so Kelsey and I, we started to walk around for like a little bit, but I noticed Kelsey was getting really tired. Hmm. I mean, gra- granted, and I'm stubborn. I'm like, nope, I'm gonna keep going. I'm. <laughs> yeah, but even I, but I was like. I was like, okay, let's let's go back to uh, the Prohibition place. And I think it was like maybe like half a block away. Mm-hmm. And I looked at it and I was like, let's just go home. Like, no, let's no call we went it. to the coin op first. No, but I was like, let's call it a night. And I said, like, but let's go to the coin op because that's where we normally end the night. Yeah. Let's go to the coin op. So we went to the coin op and we had like, what, maybe two drinks or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but we had those two drinks fast. Yeah, we did. Because <laughs> we were, like I said, we've been walking in the sun and the humidity like all day and my feet were killing me too i got yeah. blisters my shins and my calves hurt yeah plus like we didn't call it and we didn't leave the con right away like like i said we were at the con for a while and even when i thought like we were be done for the day there was a um an adult swim event it was called like Gindy, the lodge no no it was like guinea oh. Toryoski's uh musical experiment which i which i really wanted kelsey to check out um, and I loved it. Yeah, it was great. It was like, it was a live orchestra playing in front of like Primal. Um, Samurai Jack. Samurai Jack and ststuff like that. Like these these Gini Todorowsky's um, animated animated shows, which is really great. It was a great fucking show. Mm-hmm. Um, so back to the night, we had like two drinks and we're like, all right, let's, let's call it a night. <laughs> <laughs> so we called it a night and then Sunday came along Um what did we do? We had breakfast. Mm. Uh, and we walked the floor a little bit more. I think we were there. Well, it's ma- funny because you're like, yeah, let's, we're still definitely going to walk the floor more. And I'm like, oh, my feet. But okay. <laughs> but like, <laughs> but it was actually not as bad as I thought. Yeah, it wasn't as bad. Kelsey had to like stop and take a break and everything, which I was just like, like take all the breaks you need, like, please, because we did a lot of walking. I feel like we did more walking this year than we ever do. Yeah. We did a lot more. So, you know, at least I don't feel like I'm just a big fat ass or some shit. Well, normally, like every year, there's like a ton of interviews that we got. We get lined up mm-hmm. to the point where like we'll do one interview and we got to like run to the other side of the con or like we have to split mm-hmm. up. The interviews were so scarce and stuff like that, that we're just like, all right, like literally like Saturday, which is us just checking out the con mm-hmm. and all that stuff. Um Sunday, like I said, we're checking out, walking out the floor. Kelsey got her daughters a couple of things, if you want to. Yeah, I got a Tamagotchi for Cadence, and I got a a plushie for Cameron. Yeah, and they had a uh, Hello Kitty. Um, they, it was like a food truck, but they were really just serving, like, merch and, like, products and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And there was <laughs> there was a sweater I was like that it was I was going to buy for my daughter. It's a Hello Kitty sweater. And she told me, she was like, Dad, can you find me a Hello Kitty? Something with Hello Kitty. I found the sweater. I was like, oh, she's going to love this, right? And you had said, uh, that sweater's going to cost a lot, right? That's what I said? Yeah, you said, not a lot. You said, like, oh, that sweater's going to cost at least 80 bucks. Yeah, so it's going to be, like, at least, like, 80 bucks. And yeah. I'm like, if you, if you want, I will go half with you because I want to get something for Leah, too. Yeah, and I was like, I was like, no, it's not going to be that much. Maybe, like, 30, 40 bucks. <laughs> You pull up, there's like seventy dollars. Yeah, I was like, "Fuck!" <laughs> <laughs> but it was for it was for my kid, and I always try to get her something um, whenever I go to these things. And 
I was like, all right, let me get this for her. <laughs> you were like, damn it, I should have went with the water bottle. <laughs> I know, right? But you, you, you convinced me to go, to go with the sweater. Yeah, because you're like, like she'll use the sweater. She probably won't use the water bottle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, which an update to that? She saw it. She was she was all fucking smiles mm. seeing that sweater. Um, let's see what else did we do? Even though it wasn't eight sizes too big, how she likes. It yeah. was only like one or two sizes too big. Yeah, my daughter. She's very skinny, um, lanky. Uh, some would say, and she wears like extra extra large sweaters because she just likes how big they are on her yeah um i saw her yesterday she was wearing shorts they were big on her too yeah exactly uh let me see what else i think that was about it right yeah i think that was it because um, we we went mm-hmm. home after well not home home i think we yeah we came back i can't remember what we did when we came back uh you mean when we were after oh the- yeah because i needed to do laundry Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it's just as simple as like we came back. Um, it was a good. It was funny when we first drove out there. We we just drove out there like no problem. I think I took like a little nap or something like that. But like we drove out there no issue. Mm. Coming back, we both we we had a switch. rotate. We had a switch because it was like because we were tired. We were falling asleep while we were driving. Yeah, and then we watched the GC. Yeah, we did watch the GC. Uh, which we're going to be talking about soon. Mm-hmm. Uh, but our, I don't know, Kelsey, what's, what's your final thoughts on, on this year's Comic-Con? I enjoyed it you a enjoyed lot. It? You enjoyed it? And it wasn't just about the con. We we got to kind of experience San Diego a little bit, too, which I love. Yeah, it's never a bad idea to experience San Diego, uh, despite it being incredibly fucking hot. Yeah, I died. Our geriatric cinematic of uh, Stanley Kubrick's Doctor Strangelove or How I Learned to Stop Wearing and Love the Bomb from 1964. Captain Mandrake speaking. Listen to me carefully. The base is being put on condition red. Jolly good idea. I keep the men on their toes. Group Captain, I'm afraid this is not an exercise. Oh, hell. It appears that the order called for the planes to... Uh, attack their targets inside Russia. This man is obviously a psychotic. The doomsday machine. What is that? A device which will destroy all life on Earth. Gentlemen, you can't fight in here. This is the war room. Dr. Strangelove. How is it possible for them to have built such a thing? It is not only possible. It is essential. The synopsis for... Dr. Strangelove, or How I Learned to Stop Worrying and Love the Bomb, 1964, is an insane American general orders a bombing attack on the Soviet Union, triggering a path to nuclear holocaust that a war room full of politicians and generals frantically tries to stop. There are taglines. You pick and choose, or if you want to read them all. I'm going to read them all, because that's (laughs) what I do. Okay, there are four. First one. The comedy classic from celebrated director Stanley Kubrick. I'm like, also, didn't know he did any kind of comedies. I thought he was all serious. No, he's done comedies. Okay, the second one. The red hot suspense story that's rocking and shocking the world. <laughs> that sounds like, instead of rocking and rolling, like it just seems like it gets stuck. 
on the tongue, like rocking and shocking. <laughs> yeah, if that that like definitely didn't stick into everyone's lexicon. Hmm. Uh, third one, the wild hotline suspense comedy. That one doesn't make any sense, but okay. Mm-hmm. The last one, the hotline suspense comedy. <laughs> Take the I guess it's less wild. Uh, yeah, less wild. It's <laughs> just hot. Hold the wild. Keep the hot line. Damn right. it! I had I took off the drum snare. Damn it! You can still do the sound effect with your mouth. But um, but um, are we just gonna do the Cardi B thing? Or the one girl that we were talking about the other day? Oh, the the live streaming thing. Yeah, the NPC NPC girl. Yeah. Okay. Um. Directed by Stanley Kubrick, written by him and Terry Southern and Peter George. It stars Peter Sellers as three different characters. George C. Scott, Sterling Hayden, and Slim Pickens. That's not a real fucking name. That's a real name. No. Yep. Slim Pickens. I'm sure it's a nickname. Sounds like a nickname. Um, of course, we've got honorable mentions of James Earl Jones and Peter Bull. What? Well- <laughs> Slim Pickens was born Lewis Burden <laughs> Ledley Jr. Yeah. But we like to call him Slim Pickens. <laughs> um, so, yeah, uh, Doctor Strange Love or How I Learned to Stop Worrying and Love the Bomb. Uh, it's one of my favorite. It's one of my favorite Stanley Kubrick f- films. I think it might be my. I think it might be my third favorite. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it might be my third favorite. It's always a battle between like that and 2000, 2001 Space Odyssey. Mm-hmm. But I absolutely love Doctor Strange Love. Like, it's... What's your first favorite? <sighs> Come on. The Shiny. <laughs> you expect anything less? Yes. Uh, so, <laughs> <laughs> so this movie, like I said, I absolutely love this movie. I've seen this like a dozen times. It's like dry political humor. Um... Peter Sellers does an amazing performance as uh, group ta- group captain Lionel Mandrake, President Merkin Muffley, and Doctor Strange Love himself. Um, I was so looking forward to show this movie to Kelsey. Was, still is. <laughs> um, oh, I actually would watch it again. You watch it again, mm-hmm. uh, but no one gives a shit about what I think. The most important part is what does Kelsey think about this movie? I just said I would watch it again, but mm-hmm. I lied. Okay. But I don't like the movie. I, you goddamn liar. <laughs> you were laughing your ass off. Yes. <laughs> I love this movie. Why? What, what do you love about this movie? Because it's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And it's funny without trying too hard. Mm-hmm. And um, who the fuck would use one actor for three different roles in the same movie? Stanley Kubrick was like Peter Siller. Yes. You can do all three of these roles. <laughs> Um, I re- I just like everything about it, even mm. though it's, even with it being black and white, like I think that just adds to it because it takes a lot of the distraction out. Mm-hmm. Um, and the acting was all great, all of it. Uh, top actor. Um, George Scott. George Scott, really? 
Wow! I thought you were going to say Peter Sellers. Okay. I mean, I liked Peter Sellers a lot, especially his Doctor Strange love, but that uh. character, one, wasn't on screen for very long. Mm. And two, I feel like you see that med scientist type of character in other things. That's true. Like, it's not, it's not like... Peter Sellers owns like corner of the market and like math scientists and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But I, I I would like to think that his math scientist is one of the most memorable ones in cinema history. Yeah, it is like mm-hmm. for sure. But I just I think uh, George C. Scott's character made more of an impression on me. Okay. Because at first he was like obviously doing shit he really shouldn't be doing, mm-hmm. and then. You know, he's like, every answer he gave when he was in the war room was just wrong. And I'm like, why didn't they just fucking kick him out already? (laughs) (laughs) It was either, like, wrong or, like, contradicting, like, the present, like, over and over again. Mm. Um, There's a really great line that um, Peter Sellers delivers as the president where he says, gentlemen, gentlemen, you can't fight in here. This is the war room. And I, I fuck, I love that line. That's mm. so fucking funny. That's actually, I think, number 64 on a list of, like... Oh, greatest lines like that. Mm-hmm. I think... I don't know if... It, it wasn't Criterion, but it was, like, some big mucky muck, like, probably list. Like, probably, like, AFI or some shit like that. Bigger than that. Oh, okay. Um... Anyways, I also really like the um, the name of the character of the bad guy. I think he's the bad guy. Which guy? Uh, the Brigadier General Jack D. Ripper. Oh, Instead I of know. Jack the Ripper, it's Jack, Jack D. Ripper. Yeah, Jack the Ripper. <laughs> well, you, could, you, you distracted me because you were talking when I was talking. Sorry, sorry. Jack the Ripper. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> especially how that character, how General... <laughs> Gerald Jack the Ripper. <laughs> so fucking funny. <laughs> what somebody, somebody, whether it's Terry Southern, Peter George, or Stanley Kubrick, somebody wrote that, wrote that in the script, and like, just whoever read it just died laughing. Was like, yes, let's go with that one. <laughs> um, but yeah, how Sterling Hayden is like. Like, I, I've seen Sterling Hayden other stuff that it's not coming to mind. But, like, he always has this demeanor of, like, he would be towering over people. Mm-hmm. And I like how Kubrick used that, but, like, put a level of, like, paranoia that's, like, comedic. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, how the character keeps bringing up, like, how the Russians are trying to, like, steal our fluids. And not, like, <laughs> not like water, but, like, semen. Yeah. <laughs> like, they go, like three different ways of like him saying that you know mm. uh like if he's talking to um like when the ripper is talking to mandrake and he starts to, <laughs> like there's a moment where like all this gunfire has happened and everything uh, mandrake like realized the, the severity of the situation and then here comes ripper like if you understand do you understand how much fluids our body pushes out <laughs> it's a serious concern <laughs> Um, also another great line that Sterling Sterling Hayden says um, and the line is do you know how the Russian do you know how the Russians make Russian cookie how no no do you know the secret ingredients of Russian cookies vodka (laughs) (laughs) and I I would like to mention that uh, 
while we were watching this, Kelsey and I were drinking vodka. <laughs> yes. Our favorite drink. Um, even Slim Pickens' name, Major King Kong. <laughs> like, come on. Um, I was trying to find... Okay, there it is. Mm-hmm. Floor date. Okay. That, that's the thing that... Uh, Oh, Ripper talks about right. Yeah, it's in the water. Yeah, he's like they they add you know they fluoridate the water. Mm-hmm. And I always thought those were like uh, like sodium fluoride, mm-hmm. uh, but for some reason I always thought like the fluoride was like the the abrasive part of toothpaste. Okay. Um, but I don't know if that's true or not. But mm-hmm. <laughs> like I had like this weird moment of like. I'm in class again learning about what <laughs> toothpaste is actually made of. Uh, and it's like little tiny, like almost like seashells. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Something I even, like that. I didn't even know that. I mean, not now, but it's probably what it used to be made of. Oh, back then? Mm-hmm. Now I think it's more probably like, well, then I think they probably moved to silica, which mm. is then you're just eating plastic. So they stopped yeah. using that. Yeah. 80% of our bodies are plastic. <laughs> Um, so since this is your first comedy, first Stanley Cooper comedy, um, what did you what did you think of that aspect of the movie? You should have showed me this one first. Oh really? The first? Uh, I, you mean I should have showed you this instead of two thousand one Space Odyssey? Mm-hmm. Look, because maybe yeah. I would have thought that he was trying to be funny at the end. Oh, for two thousand one? Yeah. I can see that. Okay, I can see that. Now I want to watch it again. 2001? Well, I've told you I wouldn't mind watching, revisiting it. Mm-hmm. For a while, I was like, no. But then mm-hmm. I was like, I would watch it again. Um, I just, and I like the movie. I just don't like the last part. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, yeah, a lot of people say that last part is pretty pretentious. That's pretentious and also hard mm-hmm. to understand and also, like, just stupid. <laughs> <laughs> but if it's supposed to be funny... Oh, you're like I'm down. I get, I get. I'll, I'll I'll watch it again. Yeah, and you know I will find something funny about it. Okay, well, the comedy of this movie. Uh, oh no, you already said that you like that you thought it was like funny as fuck. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, so okay, this is what I was gonna ask. Uh, Cooper's directing. Great, mm-hmm. great directing. He didn't bounce around a lot. I like that he kind of stuck around in certain places for a little while, so you can get like the lay of the characters mm-hmm. it's not really about where they are it's about who they are and what they're doing yeah um and um of course the war room is like the best yeah that very I- iconic uh film location mm-hmm. i one of the things I, I i and i just thought about this right now about George C. scott's character how we're introduced to his character um like he's in his he's in his room uh, he's obviously sleeping with his secretary. Um, I got a sense they were in a motel room. Um, probably. Because if it's your secretary, he, I don't think he was... Um, well, like, the, that's the thing. When the secretary answered the phone, she answered it like... Like, oh, I'm, like she answered like if it was his secretary. You know, like, oh, the general can be spoken... It, the general's not here now, or something like that, mm. you know? Um, but, like, when we, when we see the character, he's wearing, like... Here's this general, this serious character, this supposedly serious character. When we first meet him, he's wearing boxers and a Hawaiian shirt with his gut hanging out. You know, and there's even like that, there's even this great 
line in the movie where he's like on the phone and he's like tell you what i'm gonna do for your boy and he like slaps his stomach and it's like a, like a loud bang and it's like okay no way nobody's gonna take that character ever serious again <laughs> and even when he's wearing his suit his his military suit like the audience or myself i never took that guy serious ever again mm-hmm. like no matter what he said it was just like it was always comical yeah I don't think we're supposed to take him serious either. I don't think we're supposed to take anybody serious in this movie. <laughs> well, apparently you were supposed to take um, Jack the Ripper <laughs> seriously. Cause, yeah, because he's talking about, uh, what do you say, fluoride? Not fluoride. Flority? Floridite. Floridite? Yeah. Uh, and our fluids. The Russians are trying to steal our semen. Well, I don't have any, so I guess I'm safe. <laughs> no, the Germans are just trying to take your eggs. As long as they don't try to scramble them first. But <laughs> <laughs> um, I really did like um, what's his name? I really did like Slim Pickens. No. Slim Pickens Part Two. Uh, Peter Sellers, oh, and okay. uh, as the Doctor. Oh, it's Dr. Strangelove? Yeah, because I can't get over how his fucking teeth. Oh, how he's like kind of like, like he's kind of has Almost, a shitty even grin. Yeah, uh, the entire time. Yeah. Even if he's not talking. I even like the way how he talks. Mm-hmm. Like, Professor, you can't do this, but we shall. You know, like, <laughs> <laughs> like I said, like Peter Seller, that's like, like I know yours, I know yours is your favorite was Jersey Scott. To me, it was Peter Sellers, like, all the way. Because mm-hmm. how he makes, he does all three of these roles, and they're all distinctly different. Like, every single one of them, right? And mm-hmm. then, of course, Strange Love is just, like, the madness of that dude, like, performing. Um, I even like the part where his body, like, his, he has no control over his, like, his right arm. Mm-hmm. Where it kind of, like, moves on his own accord and shit like that. At one point, like... <laughs> At one point, the hand tries to choke him. Yeah. This <laughs> is like, why? I actually, I really, I don't know if you thought about this at all. Mm-hmm. But the, the critic part of me wants to go a certain way. Okay. And the fact that Peter Sellers plays these three very different people, mm-hmm. to me, feels like it's on purpose. Because, yeah, it's a comedy, but it's trying to say something. And the fact that uh peter sellers is all three of these characters he's essentially mm-hmm. in three different ways a certain type of audience member okay go on not just audience member but a certain type a certain type of um like an archetype yeah okay right so like you have group captain lionel mandrick mm-hmm. okay so he's really like he's like the person who's going about their business mm. and doing what they're told, but kind of worried that things aren't going right. Okay, like he's the one who understands the severity of the situation. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and also kind of like how how he's going to be affected, mm-hmm. though he doesn't know the whole plan. No. Um, then you get President Merkin, who's like uh, President Merkin Muffley, who's like he's less of a a passenger mm-hmm. um but he's still he's still an audience in a way because mm-hmm. that's like the logic side that's like okay well i'm not 
passive, like the first guy. Mm-hmm. I'm going to drive this thing. So okay. I'm going to get to the bottom of it. Mm. Um, you know, all this stuff. And then you end up with... Um, Wait, to add to, add to that... I don't mean to cut you off, but to add to that, I feel like Muffley, President Muffley, is also the person, like you said, he's trying to, kind of like trying to take control of the situation, mm-hmm. but he is very unqualified to take control of the situation. That's, yeah, that's what I was getting at. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's mm-hmm. perfect, because mm-hmm. he's trying to take control of the situation, but he literally, like, isn't worth anything. Yeah, yeah. Like, he has no idea what to do. And, and even... Though people are saying you need to do this, this, and this right now, he's mm-hmm. like, "Well, wait a minute." Yeah, it's like you do. You have twenty minutes. That's it. Yeah, then yeah. everyone's gonna die. I feel like Kubrick. Uh, I feel like Kubrick. Uh, oh no, Kubrick. I'm sorry. I feel like the writing team and and Kubrick himself. Um, they were trying. They were poking poking fun at like American politics or mm-hmm. American presidents. You know, like you know, presidents like to think they have all the power in the world because they have the atomic weapon and stuff like that. But in actuality, like they ain't shit. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, that's why I feel like the writing team was like trying to say with that character. Yeah, um, that's what I think they were trying to say with that character. But mm-hmm. it's still, you know, in keeping with my different audience oh, yeah. member. Yeah. So, like, the first person is definitely not really part of politics, but mm-hmm. definitely like just kind of goes with the plan, even though something's amiss. Yeah. Um, the second guy definitely can't fix anything even though he's full of himself and thinks he can yeah so the third guy is dr strange love mm-hmm. who's like has this huge plan of like telling you like what you should do and what you shouldn't do and like mm-hmm. you don't like some people take him seriously and some people don't and and it's kind of like it's crazy enough to work mm-hmm. or you're just gonna follow someone very fucking stupid mm-hmm. and so it's like um so Almost like that last-ditch effort. So you would say that he's like the wild card. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's funny that he played all three of these, but I feel like... Um, well, in terms of audience, in terms of uh, surrogate for the audience, what do you think Dr. Strangelove is? Or what kind of... Sorry. What type of audience members do you think Dr. Strangelove is? Um, like if you're sitting there and you're thinking about what you would do, mm-hmm. that's him. Oh, even though, <laughs> you know what I mean. I picture, I, yeah, I picture like a person sitting there thinking, like, I think I would do this, but at the same time, like, this doesn't make sense. Like yes. my plan, oh, my plan would work, but you know, your plan wouldn't work at all. Right. Yeah. So like, yeah, like the first guy, like you're sitting there as the audience and you're mm-hmm. like along for the ride, even yeah. though something's clearly not right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Then the then the president, you're mm-hmm. like, okay, we could fix this. Yeah. Um, and then clearly you can't fix, but it. you can't fix it. Yeah. And and then also then you get the last guy who's the doctor and yeah. you're like, well maybe we could do something different you know because <laughs> obviously the president ain't shit yeah, like, yeah. um so I think it's audience but I think it's also like the different sides of like you said politics or mm-hmm. like being an American yeah 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 I totally get you even though it's a comedy and I still broke it down that way well like I mean you know a a smart comedy has something to say. Mm-hmm. They're not just like all shits and giggles and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. You know, like the greatest comedy in the world, you know, Dumb and Dumber. <laughs> you know, it's not all shits and giggles. It's a brilliant fucking film. Um, but yeah, like in terms of like Dr. Strangelove, yeah, it's 
it it's a commentary on it's a commentary on American politics, not even just American politics, but Russia, but American um, world po- politics, and how we have these massive weapons of destruction, mm-hmm. uh, or sorry, these wa- mass weapons of destruction, and how we can easily just blow each other up just because of one little individual. I wouldn't even say like one one little individual. I'll say because the absent-minded nature of of politics you know like there's that part um for Jersey scott Jersey scott's character um how you say his last name turgidson Tur- uh, turgidson turgidson um which like turgid I, is an actual word <laughs> uh yeah turgidson's telling the president like because the president is trying to understand he's like i don't understand how how uh brigadier general ripper has what's up okay his last name is turgidson mm-hmm you want to know what turgid? What's turgid? Swollen and distended or congested. <laughs> that, that describes them. <laughs> so, yeah. So that's like an adjective. Mm. Um, but there's also like of language or style, which mm. means tediously pompous or bombastic. Oh, Some turgid so verses on the death of Prince Albert. That's was like, so him. Holy shit brilliant fucking brilliant <laughs> um what was i gonna say oh okay oh okay yeah so yeah i wouldn't even say like so what i was what i was getting to how some people could see you know uh general jack d ripper <laughs> as like oh he was a man who just happened to have all this power you know one man has all this power he shouldn't have it blah 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 right mm-hmm. but it was really like because of like the absent-minded president who was like, I don't understand how this dude had this, is able to do this, right? Mm-hmm. I thought there were all these, like, barriers that would stop him. And Churchson had told him, like, well, there's an order that you sign, that you actually push for, that would make sure that this would happen in case such and such situation happened. And the president, like, does this look with his eyes, like, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> and then he's like... No, I don't. I don't recall that. Yeah, I don't recall. It. Like, no matter recall, it fucking happened, dude. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that's that's why I, that's one of the things I love about the writing is like if you see it on surface level, you're like, oh, uh, Sterling Hayden's character is like the one who like the one man who got all his power just you know by happen chance uh, happenstance. Um, but it's like no, it's like just one little action that the president did that was like about Mm -hmm. like essentially doomed the entire Well, it was like a series of them right Mm because he was like oh you signed this Mm. oh well why didn't you know this stop it because you signed this like it was like three things that he did that made it possible yeah also it's i mean obviously not obviously but also it's a commentary of how um these warring countries it's just a dick measuring contest Mm -hmm. where like the U.S. has, like, these nukes, but, like, Russia created what essentially was called, like, the doomsday bomb, mm-hmm. you know, which was, like, completely unnecessary. It's like taking a shotgun to, like, a fly or something like that. Yeah. Um, and it was just, like, who can build a bigger bomb? Well, both of y'all, and here's what happened because of it. Mm-hmm. You know, destruction and shit. Yeah. Um, anything else? Nope. Okay. So, do you think this film still holds up? Mm-hmm. One hundo. One hundo? Uh, why? Two hundo. Uh, quickly, why? Why do you think it holds up? 
because we still live in a political climate, probably more so now than in other decades. Mm-hmm. Though I know there were some, you know, like obviously with Kennedy in office and like the Vietnam War and all that. Yeah, and the Cold War. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm saying right now is like really unstable times. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, it involves like the presidency and the, the military. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a good way of like laughing at something that's actually really serious so people could uh, digest it. Mm-hmm. Um, but the stereotypes still hold up. Yeah. So, like. Yeah, it still does. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I'm a, I agree with Kelsey. This movie still holds up. It's very... I mean, this movie came out in 1964. You can apply it to, like, politics now. It, 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 it never gets old. 60 years later. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, so, yeah, I mean, <clears throat> that's why this movie's, like, so fucking brilliant. Mm-hmm. Uh, is there anything else? Nope. All right. So that's going to be it for our show for this week. We would like to thank everybody for joining us on this week's show. Um, we would like to thank the folks over at Your Entertainment Corner, Corner for hosting this uh, podcast on their on their website. Uh, you can find uh, all your sorry. You can find all your film news, TV news, and reviews at yourentertainmentcorner.com. Uh, don't be afraid to drop us an email at therealappeal@gmail.com. That's real with two e's. Uh, give. Oh, you can find us on all podcast catchers. I actually double checked it this week. Yes, you can. We're all over the place. Uh, give us a mention on whatever podcast catcher you're using. Uh, give us a review, five stars. You know, really appreciate it. And Kelsey is typing something. No. Oh, okay. <laughs> so uh, next week's episode. Um, as I said last week, we are going to be reviewing Barbie, which is currently in theaters now. Uh, our geriatric cinematic will be Clueless, 1995, uh, which is currently streaming on uh, Paramount Plus and is available available to rent <laughs> on Apple TV, Amazon, YouTube TV, and VOD services. I already know what's coming up. Our topic <laughs> for that week will be it's a Barbie girl, and we're just in her plastic world. What's coming, Mark? Is it the fact that I made a strong campaign for us to watch Mannequin as so, our uh, geriatric? And you're like, no, because I don't like fun. Why are you burying the lead? <laughs> yeah, we, we were going to do 1987's Mannequin. <laughs> that really is the best year. <laughs> We, we watched the trailer, and I was like, we're not fucking doing this movie. <laughs> like, normally, normally, like, Kelsey and I, like, I'll, I'll, I'll suggest a movie, or she'll suggest a movie, and we go back and forth, like, what, maybe we'll do it like this, or we could do it like that, or maybe we'll find something else. Kelsey's like, no, let's do Mannequin. And I was like, no, <laughs> we're not doing that fucking movie. And you kept saying no, and then I said, let's watch the trailer. So we did, and guess what? What? It only solidified the fact that I wanted to do it. Oh my god! <laughs> but that then mo- you're like, no, because no one is wondering. Yeah, nobody's asking for like a mannequin remake or like a. a or wondering like, oh, does that movie still hold up? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so it's gonna be in our, it's gonna be in our, our obscene and obscure segment. Uh, Oh my god, I can't believe we do I can't believe we're gonna watch Mannequin. 
I've never gotten this reaction out of you about a movie before. Oh, really? Where you continually giggle about it uh-huh. and like can't take it seriously at all. <sighs> like it's not even an option for you. Of all the ridiculous shit we watch, uh-huh. this movie <laughs> is somehow <laughs> can't touch it. <laughs> this is where I draw the line. Yeah. <laughs>